started, as the rest of the party heads off to sleep. Breathweaver and Aul sneak out the back, off to the mounts. Warlord Brenly had revealed the location of his unholy resting place, too great a distance to cover on foot. And Aul uh, takes you up on his offer, on your offer to help him uh, get to that location. So as you two, Breathweaver and Aul, walk to the dragons, uh, the, the, uh, their midnight scales latticed by the blades of starlight, uh, what do you do? Um, <clears throat> I will lead him over to my mount. Um, this, I figure that'll be the easiest way since I don't know if um, he's ridden a dragon before. Okay. So, uh, Breathweaver, as you go over to your mount, uh, Shroud of the Deadlands uh, tends to, uh, it actually scoffs at you uh, at, at the suggestion of letting another uh, two-legger atop it. And, Aul, at this point, I'd like you to roll an animal handling check to see if any of the other dragons are eager to step up to carrying you to your location. All right. I got a 17. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, with that check, uh, you're able to see that a few other dragons are willing to let you ride them. Uh, there is a storm dragon, obsidian dragon, a battle dragon, a lung dragon, and a brain stealer dragon. Uh, which one would you like to mount? Uh, Owl doesn't have a strong uh, I'll, I'll just go on the lung dragon. Okay. So as you approach the lung dragon, it speaks to you. It says, I am Torch of a Thousand Knights. Please get on. And as both of you mount up, uh, you, you take your mounts and careen through a thorny wind. Uh, the clouds are spread thin, wispy limbs connecting over the sky. As you stare at them, Breathweaver, something inside you stirs. The clouds dissolve under the moonlight, and you feel like something irreplaceable is being lost. Memories disappearing into the fog of time. A part of you, vanishing, you never knew was there. Marked not by its presence, but its absence. Yet one cloud remains, glowing in a golden hue burning with the same light that animates the stars. For a split second, your amulet glows. It's with a jolt that this nighttime daydream vanishes. You've arrived. A dried up riverbed, a dead waterfall, the mouth of a cave toothed with stalactites and stalagmites, a megalodon's maw made of stone. As a frozen breeze geysers out the rancid abyss, you are cut down to the bone, a primordial cold, and you both swear you hear the sounds of an ancient raging river the drums of war, and the curses of those struck down by the warlord. This was the darkness that was promised to you, Aul. What do you both do? This place seems kind of, uh, suspicious. You want to just go back? <laughs> what, what do you mean, suspicious? I, I, I mean, you're, you're the one who suggested this, uh, I don't, so I feel like <clears throat> I'll leave the decision to you. I guess I did... But, I mean, we already came this way, missing yeah, a... we already came. All right. All right. I heard... Well, well I drums. mean... That's kind of threw me off. All right, you can lead the way, then. Did you just not like drums? I don't like them. Gongs, though. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so, uh, before entering into this mouth of this cave, um, I would like either of you to roll an Arcana check. Sure. I think my Arcana's, like, a plus one. I got a 19. Okay. Uh, so, with that 19, uh, there is a sickness about this place. An air of everlasting death, as if it has the desire of adding to its body count. Tread cautiously. And as you get that slight hint, uh, as you enter the cave, the sharp rocks protrude from the walls like a phalanx of spears. They grow longer and longer, more and more jagged, 
devouring the space within the cave until you are shimmying through the gap that they form. It's clear to you this is not a natural feature of the cave. The air is damp and it rattles the stone protrusions. At this time, I would like both of you to roll a perception check. Alright. Uh, can make sure my perception. Ooh, ooh, okay. Oh, I'm good enough. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, zero <laughs> modifier, by the way. 19. Oh, uh, okay. 16. And an 8 modifier. Okay. I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after some pretty decent rolls, uh, you see up ahead, tangled in the grips of these spear-like rocks, several skeletons on each side. With this information, what would you like to do? Um, so we're squeezing through a narrow passage and we see skeletons tangled on either side? Yes. And with that perception check, uh, you're able to take a closer look around if you'd like uh, and, and investigate a little bit more. I would like to investigate the floor around like where those bodies are because of the tread cautiously. Okay. And so I assume it's watch your step. All right. So if you, <clears throat> since you look around and you want to look at the floor specifically, you see blending into the floor a few bits of earth seemingly slightly elevated uh so i we will need to um is there a clear path of non-elevated earth or is it like just more you you can um, you can step over it the, they look like as if they're like the size of plates perhaps i will point out these plates that will so that he is also aware of them okay uh so with that uh i assume that you would proceed past them without stepping on the plates correct yes and i will you as well mm, yes <laughs> okay <laughs> no i'm gonna hit the plates while he passes by <laughs> so as you emerge through the last of this toothed esophagus the cave opens up a welcome respite of personal space a large pit lies before you and the other side merely an exceptionally acrobatic leap away as you stare down into the abyss it gazes into you as well it winks at Breathweaver. A wink of death. What would you like to do? How long is the gap, think... first of all? Hmm. Uh, the gap is about maybe 10, 15 feet, uh, you can judge. In the darkness, it's a little bit hard to tell, uh, but it's about 15 feet long, you can judge it here. Breathweaver! Um, you want to see some... And what? Sorry, you go first. I am going to use um, Shadow Step, because I'm a monk, and I'll just teleport across the gap. Fantastic. So as you uh, yep. effortlessly uh, gleam into the shadows, uh, you have now crossed <laughs> yeah, this gap. Just... I was going to ask if there's anything on the other side that I should be worried about before coming up with a strategy to cross uh, it. The but, only um... thing that's worrying you on the other side of this gap is that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I feel like I've been in a similar situation before. Um, and remember that time when I flew in the simulation? Yes. <laughs> I would like to try to do that again. <laughs> to like a uh, running jump with a gust to f fly over this gap. Okay, so you're going to actually cast gust to do it. So if you're going mm. to do that, I want you to make an acrobatics and or athletics check, but with advantage since you're using the, the gust of wind to uh, clear, okay. clear the, um, the jump. Just like the so I have a plus one or a minus one. Uh, here goes acrobatics. Oh. Uh, 18 and a 19. Oh my gosh. All right. 
Perfect. So as you <laughs> just just as the simulations predicted, you jump right over this this uh small this small gap here, and with a gust of wind falling uh flying behind you, uh, you're able to successfully get over the gap. Congratulations. Oh, what do you know? I did learn something from Prey. Earthweaver, you've become noticeably more competent over the last few days. Uh, you could say that I had a boost in my ego ever since the we um. I don't even like when our when the memories of our alternative selves came. You had that experience too, right? I don't right? think I could say what you just said, even if I tried. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that both of you are on the other side of this this gap, uh, talking to each other, I guess if that's what Breathweaver is doing right now, uh, you see carved into an archway, uh, marking the end of this tunnel, are the words "death," like toxic earth. Cradles the river of life. From the same source we flow to the same source we return. And as you walk past this threshold of an archway, you both feel a tinge on the back of your neck. And then, an absence of any magic that you possess, you've entered Brentley's anti-magic field. I would like you both at this time to roll a perception check. Okay, I can't a get 13? another roll. Oh my god. <laughs> Oops, I did that advantage, but um, the first one was 17. So. Yes, and I take the first one. All right. So, <clears throat> Breathweaver, as you scan around, and I will puts his hands to his eyes to try and look around the chamber, uh, you see a grand chamber bathed in a brilliant golden light with no discernible source. Large, intricate tiles line the floor of this chamber, each bearing different runes. Thin puddles of water cover some of the tiles accumulated over years <clears throat> of lost time and neglect. In the middle of the chamber, about 60 feet away, as if cloaked in shadow is Warlord Brentley's tomb, made from obsidian and marked with strange red symbols. A thick layer of dust and mildew covers it. You wager the sword is inside. At this point, what would you like to do? Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, when we walked into this room, did you say that there was something written on like the door or something before we came in here That's... that said death and then... <laughs> yes. On the archway before you enter this room, you kind of like backpedal a little bit. You see death. Mm like toxic earth cradles the river of life from the same source we flow to the same source we return it and i'll type it in here inside of our chat okay yeah, so that, that you can that'll see hold. it uh so that i don't have to repeat it again <laughs> and <laughs> then i will also give you the um the flavor text for entering the chamber as well if you need to reference it okay so at this point given the information that you're able to see uh, some ru runic tiles in the room, puddles of water, and Warlord Brentley's tomb. At this point, what would you guys like to do? I'd like to, as I let Breathweaver, the brilliant Breathweaver, decipher the riddle, I'm going to attempt to determine what the runes on these tiles are. Could that be Arcana? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, uh, roll me an Arcana check. Got Let's see if we can one. find out what's So there. based on how I've been rolling, that means I should get a great roll. A 10. <laughs> Okay, uh, so you're taking a look at the floor, uh, trying to see what these symbols are, and like, y you can swear that one of them just looks like a triangle. You're not entirely sure what it is. Um, at this point, you've actually failed the check. You can't really tell exactly what all of these runes mean. You know, like, one of them okay. just means <laughs> Earth, but that's about it. One of them means Earth, uh, Breathweaver. Oh, I and would Brother, like if you'd to. Like as well, you can also. Yeah, I would like to. Seeing Earth and the talk about rivers, I want to roll Arcana. Okay, go ahead and. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Hell. 
Um, so you I'm see, gonna die in this battle. Uh, you oh, see upon closer here. inspection that the tiles on the floor are lined with alchemical symbols, some representing acid, some representing water, some representing air, earth, fire, and aether. Hmm. So do you think, uh, do you think acid is more of a toxic earth? Actually, what am I saying? Yes. Earth is also could be toxic. Um, it's earth. What about earth and so the so there's water symbols there. So that's probably the river. Uh, <clears throat> there's earth symbols. There's acid symbols and there's ether symbols. Ether could. Do you think ether could represent death? Ether? Uh, I don't really know what that is. Uh, like the I I, I uh, one second. <laughs> when you say ether, you mean like the ether, eternal, ethereal, ethereal. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> when I say ether, this ether is referencing life. So no, oh. it would not represent death. I mean, oh, I guess okay. technically yes. <laughs> But also, no. It's a good thing we got there eventually. Hmm. I was afraid this was going to go on eternally. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Breath Weaver, as you say ether in every possible, conceivable, and incorrect fashion, uh, I want you to roll me an insight check. Okay. Let me help him. Let me help Breath Weaver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just start repeating the word ether into his ear as he looks around. <laughs> <laughs> a 14 and an 8. Okay, so with a 14, uh, you're, you're not entirely sure why Aether is being whispered into your ear by, by Aul, but again, you are drawn to the fact that some of these tiles do have puddles over them. Yes. That, I, was, that was my next question, actually. Okay. Um, well, actually, I was going to ask one more about something else, but I'll ask the puddles first. Sure. Um, so what, are there, like, specific ones like uh, is it like yeah, all the same way? characters that have puddles over them or are there like a mix of ones with puddles over from them? what you can tell it looks to be a mix uh from what you can see there are multiple runes scattered across the floor but some of them have puddles on them <clears throat> those in order uh, approaching Lord, warlord brentley's tomb would be earth air earth fire aether aether water fire air earth so there's a pathway to the tomb but in latin yes. jehovah begins with an eye Oh my god. And if you could just post that in um, Discord as well. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Alright, so, uh, you see the death like toxic earth cradles the river of life. From the same source we flow to the same source we return. I think it's a riddle. Brethren, um, what's the elvish word for friend? Melon. And you see right. all of the runes activated. No, I'm just kidding. No, you, no, you, that, you, you. Think breath weaver. The uh, we step on the ones with water on them. That's the river. Or do you think the ones with the rune of water on them is the river? Well, actually, I was thinking that if aether is life, and we're talking about a river of life, aren't we alive though? Maybe that's the life. Maybe it's like a... So you're thinking we should just go down... Should, should we avoid the earth tiles? Like, jump over those in order to avoid the toxic earth part of the riddle? Uh... 
Maybe, maybe. Uh, I'm going to step on the tile with the puddle. Does anything happen? No, you step on the first tile, the one closest to you, uh, that is labeled Earth, that has a puddle over it, and nothing happens. Okay, then I guess uh, we just... Uh, I'll, I'll, well, let's do a leapfrog until one of us gets fucked over. Uh, I'll step on the air puddle. Alright, so you go over the earth puddle to the air puddle and nothing happens. I leapfrog. <laughs> Actually, I'm going under his legs. Uh, <laughs> onto the, the earth puddle. Does anything happen? No, nothing happens. I think uh, I would gust myself over him, but I don't have that ability, so I'm just gonna... <laughs> I'm gonna, like, reverse what he did, so he's gonna go under my legs while I, uh... So you're Go going to leapfrog him. Alright, yes. so does that does that work? <laughs> yes. Red Weaver, I think we figured okay. it out. Just you yeah. can just walk yeah, along okay. with as, Yeah, I think so. As you've given up your leapfrogging, uh you both walk over the puddled tiles to the as you both reach the warlord's resting place and combine uh you both are able to get there successfully. Congratulations. Uh, as we do that, I'm just gonna come I was I was a. Uh, uh, okay. You probably mind, shouldn't tell anyone about this. <laughs> <laughs> I won't if you won't. Alright. As you both reach the warlord's resting place, uh, you see that the sarcophagus is standing before you. Would you like to open it? Yes. Okay. So as you both combine your strength to crap, crack open the sarcophagus, <laughs> to crack open the sarcophagus, the aged stone sounds like a bone being snapped in two. You see a skeleton in regal black robes, darker than the coffin around it. There is no skeleton in here anymore. It is just dust and decay. Overlaying the robe is a grimoire that seems to be bound in some type of flesh, and besides it, beside it is a war sword, long, silver, with a leather handle. What would you do? Uh, have you? Are you familiar with Warlord Friendly? Uh, I'm on a first name basis with him, so yes. Let's see. Talk to him. Uh, so do you recognize this gear? Is it like from one of his books? Uh, well, the sword. He's this was his. Uh, I think this was the the stuff he used to conquer everybody. He told me about the sword when I uh, was talking to him. I don't know about the book. Probably not one of like the Warlord Friendly novels. So this might be like a. I don't know what this is. What else is it? Do you think this is booby-trapped? Yes. <clears throat> there was a riddle to get into this place. It's probably booby-trapped. Uh, uh, could I take a look to see if there's any, like, thing magically trapping this gear inside the tomb? Sure. Roll an arcana check. Normal. Okay. 16. You beget nothing. You're in an anti-magic field. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so what's in the coffin? You said the, what was in the coffin? Exactly. There is a, a a dark robe, a very, very dark robe, a grimoire bound in flesh, and a horse. All right. I'll take the robe and the sword because I... I guess I'll grab uh, the grimoire. Okay. So as you both uh, grab your spoils, you see demonic red light bast upon you. Runes lining the walls and ceiling begin to glow. Black runes with burning red eyes in the middle. You hear a snap, a click, and suddenly all the alchemical runes on the ground begin to activate, and the eyes squint as if laughing. Then you hear it, the sound from before, water. A river, flooding from the cracks behind the sarcophagus. The phrase enters your mind again, 
spoken with a cracked voice, from the same source we flow to the same source we return. The sound of this torrent grows louder and louder, beginning to burst through the wall behind you. What do you do? Uh, I think we should run down that puddle path yeah, again. Puddle path. All right, so you both go <clears throat> frog across your puddle path, uh, and you're able to remember it because it just happened, and also because it's written in Discord. <laughs> uh, and you definitely, you definitely uh, weave through these pillars of elements and break through on the other side. The river has begun to erupt with full force, Ooh. and as you barrel down the hallway now, exiting uh, from this area, as you see water is coming at you full force from behind, uh, and you. Uh, barrel down the hallway, your magic returns now as you exit the anti-magic field and you approach the gap from before. What do you do? Uh, as we leave the anti-magic field, I, I ask, oh, should we, uh, actually, wait, no, we're gonna jump over a gap. Never mind, there's no need to do that. Sorry, ignore me. I shadow okay, step over the, the gap. <laughs> okay, so you shadow step over the gap. Uh, <laughs> and... I will, uh, could I mold earth to make a bridge? No, maybe. Uh, that, I think, only displaces five feet of earth. You're right. I will do the gust thing again. Okay. Uh, so, at advantage, uh, roll acrobatics or athletics. This is where Breathweaver dies, because my rolls have been too good to this point. A 15 and a 4. You are able to get over with the 15, thank God. Uh, and as you manage to cross the gap deftly, you see the rocky hallway, uh, a thin gap to maneuver through, and the jagged teeth are awaiting you. Uh, what do you do? Where is those, uh, plates, Breathweaver? Uh, do I, should I, uh, what should I roll to see if my character remembers where those, remembers them, like, right? in this, Improv. okay. Yeah, you, you remember them, and also there were skeletons denoting the area where likely fair. there was something. Fair. Uh, so you see the skeletons uh, near you, and I assume that you step over the plates that you see very quickly yeah. shimmying between them. Okay. I, I, I hopscotch over them. Perfect. So you now are able to emerge from the cave with not a second more to spare as the torrent of water erupts from the mouth of the cave, flowing down this riverbed with an awe-inspiring force. As you hop onto your mounts and escape, you watch with awe as the geyser does not stop flowing. And as this artifact of water fills up again to the brim, the river that once flowed red uh, with the blood of Brentley's enemies now glows in the fledgling sunset, awakening the rest of its former pathway as it careens out of sight. You fly through the blooming morning back to the bar. Far off, somewhere unseen, as this dead river cuts through the continent with renewed life, an aged old elf in a watchtower in the wintertop mountains looks across the horizon and sees the dead river once again alive. With a somber voice, he says into a rune, Warlord Brentley has retained. Uh, so <laughs> you guys have, have escaped uh, with your loot. Uh, and I will go ahead and post what these are inside of chat so that you have them. Uh, well, you already know what the sword does. Now, <clears throat> now that your scene has finished, we're going to be moving over to Ander. So, Ander, uh, as you sit poring over the initial battle pan plans that Redna had collected and compiled from your companions from the previous uh, day of sprints, uh, in addition to some Redna-exclusive content, uh, the briefing reports given by each uh, unit of the army, a measure of their updated plans, and how well uh, they completed each sprint. Uh, you have now operating orders from Elagos, detailing his position among the rookie troops, and how he plans to have the tiefling siege and his expert troops from his old order assist. You have the schematics of the mechanical Wilhelms, the Halpalizes, trebuchets, goblin backpacks, and the self-flying bar accompany the orders. 
as you look over the goblin backpack uh, design uh, by someone named Gluzbuzz, you notice that this one schematic has an, a, a slightly odd Wilhelm seal of approval. It's written in crayon, um, and the word Wilhelm is spelled Wilwelm uh, with two W's. Uh, this seems not to be Wilhelm's handwriting. Probably not. Uh, I'm going to pick this schematic up and kind of just toss it along <laughs> the wayside. Okay. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you, you do that. Uh, and then you also see some sort of reports on Breathweaver and his mount and the aerial formations and the battle tactics of the dragons. The intricate patterns honed over the watchful eye of Bahamut are especially impressive. There's nothing from Aul, uh, only an initial report from Renda that suggests that Aul is terminated without warning and without any form of severance. Uh, and <laughs> it's I, a wonder I, that you I, were I able take to... That, I also take that report, crumple it up, and toss it to the waste bin. Perfect. Thank you, man. I will smile. <laughs> it's a wonder that you were able to put uh, this decent of a plan together in so short of a time. Uh, the wonders of Scrum may never cease to impress. Now, as you stand up to make yourself a fresh pre uh, pot of coffee, you hear some rustlings from the plans behind you. As the papers begin to rise off of the table and swirl around, uh, depicting a face, uh, your god, Agma, he says to you, Andrew, I've received good news from Redna. He has uh, detailed me on your tentative plans, and they seem to be most impressive, as well as your performance review. Uh, we can overlook the undocumented dimensional mishaps. You've, you've proven to be a trusty servant many times over. Um, but I wish to speak with you before all this begins, if you have the time. Sure, I'll know what, well, what's up. Fire away. Uh, I can pencil you in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, you, you know I value uh, the work you've done for me, correct? Of course. And, um, Andrew, any, are there any wild cards on your side that we should be concerned about? Uh, Redna sent reports of something called, called a bread man. A bread man? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um, maybe those were uh, slightly erroneous here. Not very, uh, very odd of Redna to make those. But if you are not aware of it, then it shall not matter. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about bread, ma'am. <laughs> um, Can we just include a flashback uh, here to bread. the previous episode? <laughs> Breadman got incredibly <laughs> lucky last episode. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Agma continues. How have the battle plans uh, developed from Redna's initial planning? Um, where are we with each unit? Well, it's honestly pretty simple. Uh, Alagos has his armies and ready to... Alagos has his armies ready to be used as part of the strike force. Uh, we have an aerial assault from Breathweaver. We have Owl slinking amongst the shadows to get us away in. And... And using Wilhelm's and his goblin siege equipment, we should be able to make an assault on the fort within the I amount see. of time we need. I see, I see. And Redna uh, told me you've acquired an undocumented new power, uh, something that paralyzed him right in his tracks. I, I must ask, uh, where did you acquire such a power? Uh, I, actually I actually learned it from a tome, and I'm just picking up a random tome. Roll deception. Very well. <laughs> What's the tome say? <laughs> I think we're like a yellow out. pages. <laughs> bread foraging and how. Actually, can it, I, I'm totally down for it to be bread foraging. The the bread man prophecies. <laughs> yes. Oh god. Ooh. That is a nineteen. 
Okay. Uh, so you see Agma look at the book, the the Breadman <laughs> Prophecies, uh, and he, he he's believing you for so for a minute. And he says, Andrew, I hope you you know you can trust me, right? Uh, have you been cavorting with another? Are you disobeying me, Ender? If you are if you are truthful, we can we can put this all behind us. This is uh oh, I'm sorry about that, but when. Redna mentioned the bread man. I actually didn't remember what he meant by that. He meant this book. Him and I actually looked in this book together, noticed that, hey, we had this paralyzing spell because it looks like a cookbook, but it's actually a magic book. Um, and by having that magic book, we were able to be testing out that paralyzing spell on each other. <laughs> Roll deception again with this advantage. Yeah, I thought Redness, because I feel like that, that is, to be that is so untrue. No, because he's <laughs> like, there's an undocked. All right. Mm. Well, they, that, didn't that book teach magic? Right? To well, Redna did say he didn't know what the ability was. Yeah, Redna had no idea. And if you're saying that you practice paralyzing each other, I think that that would be in the report. Yeah, was, of uh, course, so if Agba had looked roll... closer at the book, he would have seen it was autographed by Breadman to Ander, whom I have absolutely met in person. Wrong <laughs> disadvantage. Oh, that's my. Oh, hold on. Let me roll that again. Or. So just take that and just take yeah. the lower one. I'll just take the lower one. Uh, 13. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Agma seems less impressed right at this point, and he says, Andrew, if, if you are disloyal, if you have broken some sort of pact that we have, I will strip you of your powers. <laughs> Remember that you. You are nothing without me. I know you fear death, Ander, and with a mere thought I can make its real haunt you. From the mud you came and the mud you return. Now I ask one last time, where did you get these powers from? And I want you to roll an insight check, Ander. Mm-hmm. Uh, not disadvantage, so. 23. All right, so, Ander, as Ogman's kind of freaking out at you, you, you realize that he seems surprisingly, if not not surprisingly anymore, very on edge and nervous. Uh, you feel that he, too, is hiding something. Well, Ogma, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna come clean, I think you should also come clean. Because, considering... And- Okay, sorry, because the way you just acted, I have never seen before. Uh, and you see Ogma's face, composed of these paper plans, suddenly burst into a flame until an inferno appears before you, talking in a deep, horrid voice. A might and anger that you didn't know that Ogma had within him. To the worms with you! As he bellows, and you feel his grip upon you, a magical bind attempting to relinquish you of your magic. And suddenly... The grip is gone, as he emits a hoarse, shrill scream as he is rebuffed. The infinity sigil that glows on your hand a deep blue. As Agma grips, as Agma's grip grows tighter and tighter, your sigil burns brighter and brighter until you feel as if the flesh is being is being melted from your hand. Uh, with the burst of light, you feel your former god rebuffed fully, and you hear uh, from the rage of Agma, traitor! As Agma screams at you, as the paper face crumbles into ash, and suddenly. You are alone, and Redna is nowhere to be found. What a now? 
I think <laughs> we might be in trouble. Hey, Ender, I'm just coming in to check out- MY PLANS! WHAT HAPPENED?! Red man walks in, too. <laughs> Someone ask for me. <laughs> and that's... And that, with the bird plans, uh, we're now going to move into the next scene. A grand hall, made of a sick black glove. Centered in it, a long red table, dotted with maps, schematics, and plans, sprawled all over the middle. Towering entities sit around the table in ornate black thrones. Tiamat, Mask, an ethereal-looking elder brain. Seth, the Yuan-Ti god, and a chair of flame from which the arc devils from hell are summoned. At the head of the table is a thin, human-looking figure. His skin is pale blue, and his sunken eyes contain unknowable secrets. Dead worlds, lost empires, and doors to places no mortal man should have tread. He says with content authority, so these are their plans. Like a soul leaving his body, a pale, hunched-over blue specter emerges from this man and moves across the table to pick up the plans, laughing as it does. It rolls a pair of dice before Seth, snake eyes. Seth lets out a single chuckle. The pale blue specter re-enters the figure, and the corporeal form grabs the plans and goes over them quietly. Shouldn't be much of a fight if this is the best they can do. The Outer Gods joining them was unexpected, but with the astral forces we've accumulated, we should be able to thwart the Gods' assaults, and our mortal forces too seem more than enough. The figure looks to the end of the table. They have no idea you've given this to us. And a figure looks up, his hands intertwined like Gendo. Agma smiles. None. Not the faintest clue. I've consulted with my scrum lords regarding their strategy with their battle plans. It's safe to say things are looking very good. Although, I did not receive a final report from Ander, and I fear that he may have a power that we are unaware. And the blue figure responds, It is no matter. Everything is proceeding according to plan. The end of all ending awaits us. A chance to halt the insult of rebirth. Of limitation. A chance for a perfect world. The old order. The disease of death and rebirth. I cannot stand. It is simply sickening. Disgusting. And the gods begin to rise from the table, preparing to leave for battle with their rival gods. And the blue figure addresses them one last time before leaving. Good luck. And the torches around the hall burst into a great crimson flame. Now... Back to you guys. As Aul and Breathweaver are ransacking old tombs, and Ander is having his final performance review, <laughs> Larry and Breadman, pulling a college-level all-nighter, uh, all crack the symbols uh, linking to Praise Dimension, creating a huge portal into his perfect world. Everything is ready. All the infantry is ready, the mechanical Wilhelms are mounted, the siege weapons finished in the nick of time, the dragons are ready, Ander and Aul's infiltration and magic disabling plan are a go. And all that remains is waiting. Elagos and Wilhelm, at this point, as the other three are off on their own, you've woken and are in the main room of Larry's bar. You're joined by Valamir, the tiefling commando who Elagos fisted. Uh, uh, hang, on. The hang on. Hang on. The clumsy <laughs> soldier. <laughs> yes? I, I, I feel like we should rephrase that. Yeah, you, oh, did. Uh, you What's wrong with that, Pombo? Elagos did fist uh, her, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I'm very upset. Retzela and Fixus. <laughs> I didn't fish them either. <laughs> <laughs> Fixus breaks the silence looking at you two, Elagos and Wilhelm. I hope you didn't fish the old man. I was, I was going to ask you if you think we have a shot. But I'm not quite sure what we're up against. And that being said, do you think we have a shot? Um... Well, some uh, developments have come to light. Apparently, all of the plans that I had written are now burned to pieces. So, uh, any anybody who uh, had already read the plans for whatever reason, it's going to be completely useless to them now because I'm going now going to have to redo the whole thing from scratch. I'm I really just hope I really hope nobody had seen these plans yet because it would just be completely useless to them. Can I pop my head out from, like, a back room? Yes. Elgos, change the plan. They know. <laughs> what? Alright, uh, it, this was all- I'm, this was can... all according to my plan, um, Where's Andrew getting that from? <laughs> yeah. That is a good it. question. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Andrew? I don't think we were privy to the scene before this one. Yeah, no, you, Consid that, that considering you, you I saw see. Ogma blow up, and True. the I can infer from the other talking to the other guy, something's yeah. something's up. We need to change the plans. Yeah, there were talks of traitors in the mist. So do you do you want him to roll like insight or something? Who Elegance? No, or <laughs> no, he he can make this. He can make this okay. assumption. Yeah. this is a all player right, assumption. Right. Yeah, no, this is fine. He doesn't need okay. to. It's not going to be all he right, rolls right. this and goes so, like yes. Uh, I guess we'll cut back into after uh, Andrew pokes in says uh, they know change the plans. Uh, so as I was saying, this was all according to my brilliant ruse to let them acquire our plans and then have them destroyed and rewritten. Uh, so, anyway, here are the new plans. Uh, and Elgos goes over like, um, I'm assuming the scouts that I had asked to go into the place and kind of look around. Have they returned yet or not? Uh, yes. The the scouts had returned to you uh, before you had come into this main uh, th this main uh, hall of the bar. And they had delivered to you that the only piece of information they could put together before they had to escape was that in the first wave, seemingly outside of this fortress, is Minotaurs. A large, large wave of minotaurs. Right. So, we can assume that they're concealing the might of their force inside the walls, because there's no way they just have that with all their support they have behind them. That is a good inference. So yes. here's what we're going to do. And do you want me to explain the plan now, or go into it while the scene is happening, sort of Ocean's Eleven style? Probably Ocean's Eleven right. style. Um, Alright, so uh, Elagos as... lays out the plan. It's a risky plan, but it's a great plan. It's the best plan. No one has better plans than Elagos. Not even Retzel. So, eh, so, eh, what do you want me to do, eh? Or do you want me just to wait for your, like, for you to come up with your new plan, and then, like, I roll with whatever punch you throw? Well, that's where you come in. And then he goes back to the Ocean's Eleven skit that will come later in the episode. Okay. Uh, so... As you guys have gone over your battle plan, you see uh, Valamir kind of just, like, cuts through the silence, and he says, um, so yeah, aside from the battle plans and everything, uh, so have, have you two, you got any good stories from some past battles? 
Any glorious kills, heartbreaking losses, righteous treachery, ripped right out of a bard's song? You got anything <clears throat> to maybe lighten up the mood uh, around here? I mean, all I can really say is that uh, my fellow Hell Knights and I have been around sieges quite a bit, though I'm usually not on this side of it. So, we at least know a little bit what we're doing. And you, Wilhelm? To be quite frank, I uh, I have like no experience with sieging, but in terms of like, I would go like knock some battles... hard with his elbow. <laughs> I have never been in. What is? Wilhelm just looks really fucking. <laughs> he's just like, just confused. Like, uh, uh eh. I mean. I'm picturing that scene I mean, in The Simpsons man. when Ralph is like, what's a battle? <laughs> <laughs> As you continue on like this and you just say, eh, uh, Retzla chimes in and he says, I once killed a man with nothing but a jar of workspace. And Elagos, I want you to roll inside. <laughs> I don't think There's I Retzel's... have to. <laughs> <laughs> Wilhelm's <laughs> also gonna roll insight. Oh, wait, he's not even. Jeez, oh, uh, that's an owl roll. Oh, wow. Uh, you got a twelve? Yes. Insight. Okay. I got a seven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you believe it? What did you I, roll? Uh, seven. Okay. Uh, so you you, you kind of believe him for a moment, uh, Wilhelm. Uh, you actually are able to tell through his words that Retzla accidentally uh, served a man allergic to orc spice and orc spice centric dish, <laughs> and uh, that is how he uh, killed a man with nothing but a jar of orc spice. So, uh, uh, Retzla, did you like? I'm gonna go out on a beat of a limb, and it, I assume that like this man happened to be allergic, and you like served him contaminated food, right? <laughs> Uh, you see Retzel start to sweat a little bit. Uh, ah, so ah, so I'm not the only one in the room who's sweaty. Uh, in terms of like combat story, uh, there was the there was the one time where I almost died. Uh, so hard with his elbow again. Sir Tidley, Sir Tidley looks over at you, Wilhelm, and then over at Elagos, and he says, uh, "Elagos, what happens if we lose? Where do we go if we die?" Wilhelm <laughs> just stares off into space. <laughs> he, he's unwilling to answer such a heavy question. Retzel at elbows, elegant. Alright, that's. That, can, that, yeah. can, I, uh, can I pop my head out again? <laughs> yes. I'll pop no. my head out again and say, Your body just decomposes in the ground. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Sir Tinley like also begin to sweat. That's a that's a question for our enemies, Tinley. Uh, let them worry about dying. We just need to worry about getting into those walls and living, uh, clearing a path for the others. And you see, kind of a, a kind of hope restores to me. He's like, thanks, Elagos. Uh, and you see Fixus like, is also... Uh, he glares back, uh, he, expecting Andrew to pop in again, gives a death glare back at the door opening. Uh, I'll give a death glare back. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Through the door? <laughs> Through the door. No, uh, uh, no, better. I'll open the door and use... Uh, wait, which one is it? Oh, God. <laughs> Where is it? 
Are you gonna start a fight? No. <laughs> oh, you wanna know where you go when you die? I'll show <laughs> As you. He casts finger of death or something. <laughs> Are you using frightening games? Yes. Oh my god. Ella goes, no, you know what? I'm not making you roll against your party. Ella goes, you feel a very, very unsettling gaze on you from Ander. Almost horrifying, even. But it, it, his, it, you, you can see he's probably been practicing in the mirror a little bit. Uh, but as uh, as you are uh, all talking about it as well, you see Fixus come, uh, comes in and also wants to add to the conversation. He's like, well, scientifically speaking, I was also dead. Uh, I, I was completely encased in liquid metal of some kind and... What haunts me uh, in my time as that brain-dead metallic servant is that it didn't feel uh, that different from my time as a CEO of Fixus International. What happens when we die isn't so important. It's what we do before then, Tinley. Uh, and Sir Tinley now has stopped sweating after being rebuffed by both Fixus and Elegus. And Valamir nods along to what he says. And then, uh, as this conversation is starting to die down, you see uh, through one door, Breathweaver and I will burst in uh, through the front door uh, into the room. And uh, why are we bursting in? I don't I know. Burst you in. Just walk right by again. <laughs> I will burst in. Before Val, you say Valamere any, before you say anything, does what you're about to say involve death, collateral damage, or just the thought of us losing in general? <clears throat> I hold out Warlord. How's the plan for penetrating the enemies going, Elagos? Elagos is pretty good at fisting, so he should be able to penetrate the enemies pretty thoroughly. Well, additionally, the various mechanical apparatuses that we have for penetration have been properly properly lubricated. Ander also comes into the room now at this point. Change of plans on the penetration. Uh, <laughs> is like, I guess he's. We have to go through the. Oh, so we have to go through the back door now. I is that what you're saying? Oh, he, he can't see it because his head is in his hands. But he's like, I guess he wouldn't be red because he's got blue skin. He's, he's purple with like embarrassment. <laughs> Wilhelm's uh, gonna just pat Elagos on the shoulder. It's like it's it's, uh, o- it's okay. Contributed to this. Like, Don't touch me, I, traitor. I think Elagos is a little bit nervous. If we could all just cheer him up by yelling "Elagos the Fister," that might give him some encouragement. <laughs> okay, you got this, Elagos. You're the best Fister I know. On a more serious note, Owl Breathweaver, the enemy knows what our plans are. Oh, that is definitely more serious. Uh, Don't worry. What? I planned. What for, I planned for this. How'd they know? Redna. Redna. I don't know him that well, but I didn't like him. I have a feeling that whatever my god is is actually not the person I want to talk to. Don't worry, Ander. I could tell he wasn't a man of the scrum for the minute he forgot it. It was called Sprint Zero. <laughs> Only a scrub would know that. That's why I swapped the plans with fake plans. <laughs> oh. Okay. So then, what are our real plans? Have I seen the real plans? Oh, uh, God. you might have seen them burn. What? You're joking. I wish I was. But don't worry. I have explained to them, I've explained them to everyone at this table now, and now that you guys are here, I can explain them in detail 
going over every little aspect of the plans. It might take a long time, hours even, but I will go through every aspect of our attack plan right now. I hope nobody cuts away to a more interesting scene while I'm talking about what I'm going to do while I'm discussing these plans. And as these plans are being oh, discussed, uh, for hours on end, e eons even, before the, as the sun is rising, uh, you all are immediately filled in with vigor and insight and Whatever else Elagos talked about in his plan, you see Retzelin nodding, which may not be a good sign, but then you see Valamir nodding, which is an even better Retzelin's sign. Retzelin's just nodding uh, off. It, he's nodding off. He's kind of tired. Uh, and through, uh, through the windows, dawn has begun to emerge. And as you, uh, as you can see through the window, fissures are beginning to uh, emerge in the sky, tearing through the pale sky, uh, pale sky, spreading outwards like a slow fire in the center of a leaf. Strips of magic are are striking the distance from these heavenly fissures. It seems like it's time. And as you see this in the distance, Larry comes in. He's like, all right, all you yahoos, we got no time to spare. Now, <laughs> to summarize Elagos' plan, <laughs> one last rundown before we end it. <clears throat> and I totally heard everything through the door. Brett Weaver, you'll be escorting Anda and that will behind enemy lines. So they can disable some magic powering this place. After that, you gotta win us control of the sky. Elagos and Wilhelm, you got that ground army, a siege force to command. Get that out of the wall down, defeat their ground forces, and ideally, find their command center. Their own Larry's bar, if you will. And eliminate any of their guys inside. Has everybody understood? Wait, hang on. Uh, yeah. let's, let's check our sending stones, make sure we're all on the same channel. Testing. And as Larry Larry hands you all the sending stones. Everyone's on the right mic setting. Mono. Uh, I have mine set to mono. Mono, yes. Is this thing working? I can't. Can anyone? Is I can't hear working? you, Andy. Is this thing working, guys? It's a it's one way. You, you can't talk while other people are talking. They can't hear you. Oh. Over. Ander, over. Ander, shut up. Under. All right, and then uh, as you guys are talking into your uh, your uh, sending stones, he says, "All right, <clears throat> well with all those uh, all those sending stones out, let's get let's get on with it." To be honest, the universe resetting that ain't a great prospect to fight for. All I know is that we're fighting against control, fighting against the gods in power who want to control everything down to the last detail. And I don't know about you guys, but Larry says, "Fuck off, you fat fuck," to anyone who tells him what to do. And you see Larry start to get heated and a little bit sweaty. And he continues, And you know what? Fuck Redna. Fuck them sprints. And he goes to high-five Ander. And this time I just high-five him. I don't use anything. <laughs> okay. And then you see Larry also say, If I want someone to, if I wanted someone to run their mouth, I'd talk to Aul. And then he goes to high-five Aul. Um, I don't. High-five him. <laughs> you high-five All right. And then Larry says, <clears throat> now let's face down the last sunset we may ever see with the kind of valor that warrants a famous and beloved book series. And then uh, Retzla chimes in. Did I ever tell you guys the joke about the three soldiers and the fat orc? Oh, shut up. And for, the second time, and for the second time in recent memory, no one seems to be listening to Retzla. As you all are ready for the battle ahead, he glares at you, Elagos, expecting some back. Elagos turns to uh, his fellow Helm Knights and... Um, 
recites the ancient battle cry of his order whenever they're about to uh, take on a superior, uh, an enemy with superior forces, you know, the guys who are in control of everything, and just really stick it to them. He turns them, he turns to them, raises his weapons over his head, and shouts, Buy and hold! And you see everyone shouts, Hurrah! And then, <laughs> buy and hold, goddammit. Uh, so, as you uh, split up now to prepare, uh, Valamir, uh, after listening to your speech, Elagos, she looks at you and she says, Uh, hey, don't die <clears> out there. I can't say the guy who knocked me on my ass died the next day. It makes us look, both look kind of bad. Uh, Elagos just gives a thumbs up. No promises. Alright. <laughs> and before you all split up, is there anything that you want to say to each other? Well. Whoa. This, this, is our, this might be our last adventure. Good job. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah, this is... I'm not one for emotion too much, but just everyone make it through the battle, all right? We gotta... I don't know. Just don't want to lose any of you guys after all don't we've been Don't die out there. I've, I've always been in lethal bandit, like, speeches and just general communication. We know. But, eh... Do your best out there, and eh, when this is all over, we can just go have a nice swell time at Larry's to celebrate the wondrous and hopefully victorious day that we have. Eh, beyond that, you are all a, a delightful batch of people who I've had a delightful time with. One last huddle. Yes. Without Larry. this time. Larry, get in here. One last huddle. And you see Larry kind of like uh, pop up from behind the bar and he comes over. Oh yeah, Larry died. Uh, so, uh, and he comes into So the, we don't really have anything to center. say this time. It was just, it was more of like a, uh, like a symbolic thing. So you can go back now. Larry, Larry says, don't worry, it goes like I'm just the thing. And he just, like, breaks out of the center of you guys kind of knocking you towards the side as he runs back behind the bar. And uh, as you all have now completed your final goodbyes, let's start. Ander, Awul, and Breathweaver, you all get aboard the mounts. Breathweaver, you hop onto Shroud of the Deadlands. Awul, you hop onto your mount from this morning. And Ander, uh, do you just hop on whoever will have you? Yep, first one. All right, perfect. Uh, so you, you jump onto the brain steel. Does Ander just walk up uh, and say, who wants a piece of this? <laughs> I do exactly that. And as all of you hop on and give a piece of whatever you are to the dragon, the brain sealer dragon just kind of, kind of scoffs a little bit, but it has to carry you, so whatever. Uh, as you all hop on, Larry runs out to you guys and says, "By the way, uh, and Aul, don't forget these." And he extends two parachutes to you. Uh, one is pristine, still in its packaging. And the other is riddled with holes and tears. Uh, what are you guys going to do? You only got these two, uh, Larry? Yeah. I'll take the ones with holes and tears. Alright, I, I also was thinking that should be how it goes down. Alright. <laughs> Maybe you, uh, you might want to inspect that one. It might just say for training purposes only. <laughs> hmm. I wouldn't think to do that, uh, so he's just gonna take it. So you take the pristine one, yeah. right, Owl? 
Okay. So, Elegos, you organize your infantry into three main branches, marching with the green recruits. Sir Tinley, for some reason, the second command of the division, he winks at you uh, with both eyes. Uh, your tiefling division and old orders look solemnly ready for what awaits. To your far left, you see Wilhelm, his siege towers tall and filled with goblins writing mechanical hymns. Uh, Wilhelm, as you are chilling in your mech suit, you see your four dwarvish friends, or maybe uh, drinking buddies, uh, enter the goblin cavalry, uh, giving you a salute. You see Gluzbuzz do some elaborate Wilhelm maneuvers. Larry, with, the us with unusual confidence, seeing everyone ready, says, Hit it, Retzilla! And Retzilla slaps the, ju the jukebox. Uh, which glows and new runes, uh, which glows with new runes covered over it. Uh, one of them modified uh, to a version of what was inside of Prey's suit of armor, and you feel a tingle on the back of your necks, the smell of fresh bread, and then you're surrounded by a white light. Then suddenly the environment's different. You're no longer in Tofek. You are back where it all began. Well, sort of. Where Plaza once was, there is a massive fortress, a towering set of walls enclosing a massive territory. Inside that territory is a tall, black tower, covered with a barrier of runes and magical circles. Just in front of the gate of this wall is a massive army, a herd of bipedal animals and horrific beasts and abominations. War drums sound in an epic clamor. These walls seem, uh, seem to be patrolled by dozens of units, and the sky, the sky is crisscrossed with massive dragons, large, colorful monstrosities scattered overhead, waiting for the battle to commence. And now, it shall. We're going to be going into the ground forces section, so this will be uh, for uh, Wilhelm and Elagos. And like back before, at the, much the like... night before, back at the table. All right. So the first phase of the plan, we take our we take our ground forces, and so I uh, out of character, I can assume that they have way more people than we do, correct? They've got a lot of minotaurs. Right, yeah. So first phase of the plan, we take our front lines, and we split them into five different sections, no one containing more than a fifth of the army. This is our trap. All right. And as you begin to uh, march now, Elagos, I will make all of this known to you right now. You're going to be using the apocalypse system. Okay. I put in the one through six, the 10 through 12, the mixed success, complete success inside of here. And for the viewers, one through six is a complete failure, seven through nine is mixed success, and 10 through 12 is complete success. You gain these following boons. The rookie mistake, you have advantage on all attacks and checks. You also have the grace of Tinley, which allows you to invert one dice result. One becomes a 20, two becomes a 19, three becomes a one. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, 20 becomes a one, you, you get the idea. It, it inverts yeah. the roll. Uh, so as you begin your march, uh, the engines of war trudge steadily behind you. In front of you lies the first wave of enemies, a stampede of minotaurs. They advance on your troops, mouth frothing and eyes beady. They come in a relatively simple formation, a singular solid wave, a simple plan for a simple beast. You stand there among the rookies of the group, most of them grip, in, grip on their swords trembling, and the ground shakes as the enemies draw closer. The tiefling forces draw their cutlasses and begin producing flame, and your own order forms a fearsome position. They resolve steely and assured, awaiting your command, and Sir Tinley looks at you nervously. So you said that you wanted to break it off into five separate yes. groups? The okay. assumption being so, that the enemy will do the same. They'll okay. send one they'll send one section to match each of ours, counting on their superior numbers to just overwhelm us. Okay, understood. So, since you seem to have put some thought into this, I'm actually going to be giving you some bonuses here. Uh, and I want you to, since you have 
thought about the tactics for this type of battle, I want you to get plus two on your first right. roll. So at this point, I want you to give the commands to your army. And by doing so, you just have to roll 2d6. Uh, and then you will gain uh, that plus two because of, your, uh, because of your maneuvering. And you will be able to do one thing per and engage with the army. So let's go ahead and see what you get to see how well right. your army does. So you split into five groups. That is your first command uh, to mimic the army. Let's see how well this All right. plays out. That's a nine. Okay, is that That's with the plus, plus two? two? Okay, uh, so with a mixed success, you're able to scatter uh, the enemy, your, your forces into five separate groups. Uh, the Minotaurs, in turn, are also able to split into those groups. However, some stragglers remain as this is a mixed success. Now, for the next portion of the role, I want you to explain to me what your next section of the plan is okay. as well. So, now that they have divided their forces, we are going to take a portion of our forces and uh, combine them. Basically, we are going to combine our forces and send them against where they have the least amount of soldiers. So we've caused them to split up. Now we are bringing our forces together to attack the weakest point in their army. Understood. An additional plus two will be added to your roll. Roll the 2d6 to see what you get as a success or a fail. It's a seven. Okay. So that is a mixed success. So at this point, you have able, you've been able to successfully maneuver your troops into one section, into the smallest section of the Minotaur's location. At this point, you were able to get a fairly good trade-off uh, here. You're able to now get the weakest section of the Minotaur's wave uh, trampled. However, at this point, since this is the second mixed success in a row, they have surrounded those troops that have now taken around, and there seems to be much larger troops that are surrounding your team that went in. What do you do now? So at this point, I am go there. I'm going to uh, pull back the line so that we're all kind of one force again. Okay. Uh, and then, what would you want to do after that? That doesn't. That wouldn't require necessarily too big of a role. The, the, let's make the sections that action. are closest to the surrounded troops will encircle the encircling troops, so to speak, on our end. Okay. So to form another circle around the circling correct. troops, correct? And then at this, right, at this I point, want you... we should have enough troops to prevent them from creating another encirclement around that. Understood. All right, that, that, that tracks. Plus two, roll. Come on. Thirteen. Ooh. That is a complete success. All right, at this point, you are able to completely decimate this barrier. The troops that have trapped with inside ready their spears and begin poking. The ones outside ready their, uh, ready their swords and begin slashing. And with the minotaurs having nowhere left to go, they fall as they are, are as they are stuck between both the the forces that you put inside of uh, put inside of the uh, uh, their wave and from the ones that collapse without. You have successfully repelled the first wave. The battle is bloody, and the soldiers on both sides seem to fall into nameless heaps of blood and meat, although your side seems to do much better, but you do have some casualties. Progress is slow and hard, fought, but there, but there is prog progress nonetheless. As the front line is routed uh, and some tuck tail to run, in their wake you see the Minotaur commander, a massive Minotaur clad in blackened armor, and the horns are dripping with the innards of his last victim. He pulls a piece of sinew off of them and tosses it down his throat, smiling at his mid-battle snack. A great, a massive great axe is resting over his shoulder, and he stares you down, Elagos, and he begins to stomp the ground with a trembling uh, that resembles an earthquake. And before you know it, 
Walls begin to rise, separating you from your troops. And then it is just you and Sir Tinley, surrounded by great mounds of earth. Wilhelm, as you follow from behind, your goblin-filled weapons of war encased by a cushion of helm, you watch Elagos get trapped inside of this labyrinth. The walls are about 40 feet tall, and you see a single opening in front of you. Just as a heads up, your actions here, if you help Elagos or stick with your troops, will impact their roles later on. What would you like to do? So inside the, the little, like, newly constructed arena, it's Elagos, Tinley, just the big black armored Minotaur. Yeah, and there are a few troops inside of the labyrinth as well, but a majority of Elagos troops also lie on the outside, and your goblin troops lie on the outside as well. So when you say troops, is it friendly or hostile troops? Friendly troops. So essentially, one Minotaur versus Elagos, Tinley, and a bunch of other duties, right? Yeah, separated. But yes. But yeah, they're, they're scattered in the, the yes, labyrinth. Yes, correct. Um, Vil Vilhelm has enough comp confidence in Elagos and Elagos' ability to leave that like they should be fine. Okay, understood. All right, so now we're going to begin the next phase of the fight, the Minotaur fight. Uh, so at this point, Elagos, I would like you to roll me initiative, and I'll be marking. Already, this is just normal D D and D initiative. Yep, just a normal. Okay. Yes, um, you will actually. Normally, you don't get this, but you will get initiative. You will get advantage on your initiative due to uh, the the, uh, the. Rather than uh, change the sheet, I'll just roll it twice. Mm-hmm. So the first one was a seven, and the second one was a twelve. Ooh, big roller. Twelve. Okay, so we've got a twelve here. Let I mean, for no modifier, uh, not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's it's completely not modified. So let me one. Let me go ahead and roll my guys over here. Alright, so, the towering walls of this labyrinth completely dwarf you. <laughs> An age-gray stone adorned with various glyphs, bizarre depictions of sacrifice, and slaughter to Malar, the god of beasts. The minotaur before you stares you down, his eyes blood-red and fur now a deep, deep hue black. He grins at you, before walking around the corner and out of sight. So, Elagos, at the beginning of the- at the top of each of your turns, because you're actually going to be going first, uh, you will have to be rolling a 2d6. Uh, for your army troops to see how they are doing on the outside. You're communicating with them via a uh, via your sending yeah. stone. And as you're inside of this uh, location, you hear a buzzing on your sending stone come through from Valamir. She says, Elagos, another enemy wave. Lycanthropes, a shit ton of them. They've been surrounding the whole division. W what do we do? Are, they're starting to pick us off. Protect the flanks. I'll deal with this labyrinth. Just make sure they don't encircle us. Have the back line form squares just in case. Okay, with the, with specific instructions, you will receive a plus two. Roll the two d six. I'm feeling a great result. Why did you say that? Now it's gonna be <laughs> why would you say that? Why Don't would you say that? that? That's gonna jinx it. Tyler. Well. <laughs> all right. It's, all. it's it's an eight. It's not bad. I said okay, I was so feeling an eight result. Six. Okay, so from beyond the, the labyrinthine, uh, from beyond the, the labyrinth that you're inside of, you hear uh, that troops begin to clash, and you hear over the sending stone, like, Valamir kind of just, like, shouting out orders, getting people into locations. You, you feel as if they're doing pretty well, but you could also hear, like, carnage going on outside. Like a Wilhelm so at this point, Ella goes... And then, then oh! Wilhelm scream every once in a while. Like that. <laughs> and, yes, you do. So at this point, I want you to uh, go ahead and try. Uh, you're now in your initiative with Sir Tinley. What are you gonna do? All right. Um, 
It's been a while since I've had to use this sheet for combat, so give me a second. Okay. Um, first thing, I guess I will just have, I will just try to get a grip on the situation, uh, figure out where the enemy might be in relation to, uh, where my friendly troops are. Okay, so, in front of you, uh, what you're able to see is, it, it's just a wall, and it goes either right or left. You saw the Minotaur head off to the right. Uh, I will go left, and I will take Sir Tenley with, with me, kind of, like, bodyguard style, making sure Yo. that... You okay, have a ball of yarn. <laughs> I, have, I have air uh, so support. As you... It's the next best thing. All right. So as you head off to the left, you're, you seem to be looking for the Minotaur. And you can hear uh, from the right uh, quite large stomps. And you can hear like the sound of like some of your troops that are inside like uh, attempting, to, attempting to attack this Minotaur. And then in a moment, you see from the wall, the Minotaur seamlessly come out of the wall and approach you. Uh, directly now, when you in front say of seamless, you. Uh, what, do you what mean do you like do? he phases through it, or is in like there's phases okay. through it? Not like oh yeah, he doesn't break through it. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not oh yeah it yet. So he's right in front of you uh, at this point. You can see that there's some more blood on his uh, black black fur, uh, and you can also see that there's quite a few wounds on him as well. So what would you like to do? I'm gonna cast Spirit Guardians. Oh. Okay. And what do I have to roll? I think that's something I have to roll uh, against, correct? Wisdom save. Thank you, though. On a failed save, the creature takes 3d8 radiant damage. Okay. That's uh, for the okay. first time uh, where they start the turn here. Wisdom saving throw. On a fail save, a creature takes 3d8 radiant. Uh, spell save DC is 15. Wilhelm, did you go okay. into the labyrinth? No. no, he didn't. Not yet. Uh, hit, what, what's going to be happening to Wilhelm will happen in a moment. Uh, so now, as you've cast that, is that the end of your turn? Um, it costs one action, so um, yes. I'm just going to kind of like okay. get ready. I'll use my reaction to attack if he... Oh, no, wait, I have to have an action for that. But, um, All good. Yeah. So as you end your turn, uh, we're going to just quickly cut over to Wilhelm. So allow me one moment here. So, Wilhelm, since you're outside, uh, Wilhelm, you and your unit have begun to become encircled by a horde of werewolves uh, who stare you down with an eager bloodlust. Some of them seem to be eyeing the siege tower. Some of them seem to be eyeing the goblin support infantry. Uh, which one would you move to protect? You're just saying that one more time. So, okay. So, Wilhelm and friends are getting encircled by werewolves. What was the next part? Uh, some of them seem to be eyeing the siege towers, and some seem to be eyeing the goblin support infantry. Uh, which one do you move to protect? Where where are Wilhelm's drinking buddies? They are inside the Halpoli, uh, so they would be inside of the uh, the, the Halpoli. Hal Hal okay. Um. Got some favoritism. What? Nothing. No. Um. I think probably the, the best course of action is that is to protect the siege towers. Okay. As so. How do you plan to do that inside of your mech? I just want to hear what your plan is because you're going to be rolling with the apocalypse rolls. So, I assume from my current position, there's base there's a straight line between me, the siege towers. There's just there's just a bunch of werewolves in the way, right? 
yeah, a bunch of werewolves are in the way, and some of them begin to start, like, encircling around the siege tower. It can't really progress or move forward at um, this point. What I'm going to try and do, because the, suppo the support infantry is with me, right? Yes. What I'm going to try and do is rally the troops and be like, hey, we've got to protect the fu fucking siege towers, and then attempt to just push our way through the, um, through the werewolves to the siege towers. Um, okay, so you're grouping everyone up. Alright, roll me a 2d6 plus 2. Oh, no. Uh-oh. That is a 6. Uh-oh. Alright, so that, that realms into complete failure. So as you uh, rally your troops all together, uh, you, you seamlessly uh, get through... Uh, the werewolves, they actually seem to part ways for you as you uh, group yourself up uh, next to the siege tower, and now uh, the combined biting forces of the werewolves now surround you. Uh, they they eagerly uh, seem to be licking their lips as if they're ready to start attacking, and some of them actually start a little bit early and jump a few of your goblin troops riding on the mechanical Wilhelms, ripping them limb That's from limb. Fell for the oldest uh, at trick the moment, the book. right now, you fell for the Wilhelms yeah, were in the siege towers. I'm sorry? I thought you put the mechanical Wilhelms in the siege towers, Harris. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I thought, but... Uh, goblin support infantry. Is what I have written here. Well, that's... Either way, I think the mechanical Wilhelms were put in the tower. Could just be... Okay. Yeah, what, so what, then, what, uh, what, they, they eat a couple of goblins <laughs> instead of ones riding on mechanical Wilhelms, then. Yeah, because I was gonna say, Vin, on my sheet, I, I explicitly wrote two two Halepoli with goblins on Vilhel on Wilhelm mounts in the fucking siege towers. Yeah. But whatever. Okay. We'll, we'll no, it's not, it. that's that's fine. We can just redact that. Just give me a quick moment here. All right. So let's go on and continue. So you're you're currently being encircled. Uh, both your Halepoli, your uh, uh, tre uh trebuchets, uh, and your uh your some of your goblin support infantry are currently being surrounded so now uh we're going to go back into the maze uh so at this point now it is the um it is the minotaur's turn i had rolled it before and he had received a six so, uh uh so he fails i was actually going to I uh i realized i was reading while other people were doing their sections and i realized that compelled compelled duel only takes a bonus action to cast so i want to do that if that's okay, okay. Well Okay, yeah, uh, that's fine. So, Compelled Duel, what do I have to roll? Um, it is a Wisdom Saving Throw. On a failed save, uh, on a failed save, you have to attack me. You have disadvantage on attacks, rolls against other creatures, and uh, must do a Wisdom Saving Throw each time it attempts to move a space that is more than 30 feet away from you. Seven. He rolled a seven. That so, I fails. assume he fails. Okay, so now he is honed in on you. He cannot go anywhere else, and he started his turn. And he also failed the wisdom save for the uh, barrier. Uh, how, do you, I assume he takes radiant. Yes, unless he is. Uh, oh no, wait. Yeah, that's if I am evil. Yeah, he takes three d eight radiant. Okay, uh, let me go ahead and factor. Do you want me to roll here. it? One second. Uh, yeah, roll it, and then I'll be able to uh, to see exactly what happens. Uh, it's twenty one. I rolled two eights and a 21. five. All right, uh, that's really good. Okay, so as you deal a, a fairly deft blow to the Minotaur, uh, you see that he becomes uh, quite bloodied, and he attempts to attack you, Elagos, as he raises his great <clears throat> axe. Uh, does a 22 uh, hit? That should definitely hit. Yes. 
this. Okay, you take 15 slashing damage as he raises his great axe again. Does a 19, 19 will hit. also hit. You take 17 slashing oh, damage no. as he cleaves you. Now that's 32 he damage. Tries, he tries to escape out of your barrier. How how big is the uh, spirit guardians? Hang on. From you? I think it's a 15 foot radius. All right. Uh, sorry. What was the question? How big is the radius? Uh, for spirit guardians. guardians. I think it's 15, uh, 15 foot. Yep. 15 foot radius from me. Okay. 15. So he, so he tries to escape, and he's also going to be met with compelled duel. Uh, so you also gain an opportunity attack. Yes. I was also going to so use uh, Hellish Rebuke, because he hit me, and I don't like that. Oh, okay. Use That's your Hellish my, Rebuke. Uh, that eats up my reaction, which I didn't use. So that is um, 2d10 fire on a failed save. Okay, 2d10 yep. fire. So, so what, what's the damage on this? Uh, uh, I need to roll another... Is it another wisdom? Uh, I, or is it charisma? I, this one might be charisma because it's a tiefling thing. Okay. Yeah, he rolled a 9. Wow, holy shit. Minotaur, please. Uh, That's so, 12. Alright. Um, this Minotaur isn't looking too hot. Uh, he's uh, looking and he, very he tries hot to on escape. the contrary. Uh, so he tries to escape your field, and he, he he's going to be met with a compelled duel. And since he moves out of the field, he's also going to be met with a wisdom save again. Is that correct? Uh, so for compelled duel, um, alright, so they must make a wisdom save each time it attempts to move to a space that is more than 30 feet away from you. Okay. Uh, he, I assume he passed that. He rolled a 15. Is that bigger than your DC? It meets, so I think that passes. Yes. Okay, so he's able to move further away from you, uh, but now does he have to roll an additional one because he's exited your spirit guardians? Uh, uh, his speed is halved, so. and when the creature enters the area for the first time or starts its turn there, it makes a wisdom saving throw. Uh, nothing about uh, anything else. Okay, so since his speed is halved, he's only able to get slightly around the corner. You can still see like his bullish tail, uh, and that's as far as he's able to get with his turn. Now, uh, since this is going to be moving into Elagos' turn now, turn two. Uh, Elagos, you see that uh, you hear another bit of buzzing uh, coming in from your um, uh, coming in from your ascending stone from Valamir. She's like, "We lost a couple of people. Uh, we did the position that you've asked for, Elagos, and we seem to be fending them off. Okay, uh, what are your next <laughs> orders? It's it's really not looking too great." Probably what? What? We did the position you asked for, Elagos. <laughs> oh. oh god. Oh god. Oh, really? All right. Poorly shows. Go okay, ahead. So what are the next? What are the, the next orders? Uh, they're not. I'm just trying to get like what information I can glean about the situation from this. They were able. They were able to successfully do uh, like uh, s set themselves up. Uh, how you asked. However, they lost some forces doing so. Uh. I guess uh, hold positions for now. Uh, once you see the open, uh, once you see the opening, take your tieflings around towards the back. They can. Oh my god! I just realized. <laughs> Continue. They should be able to cut through the infantry uh, with an enfilading force, which basically means you're attacking them from the side, like through the ranks, as opposed to okay, up front. Okay. Two. Two d six plus one. 
overall, 2d6 plus 1. That's a 5. Oh, Damn. no. Alright, so that's a complete failure. So, you hear s screeches and incredible amounts of Wilhelm screams uh, come from uh, the the Sending Stone as you see. Uh, well, as you don't see anything, but you hear you hear extended carnage. Fuck. Uh, I gotta and get out of this. Wilhelm. Yeah, Wilhelm, on inside of your, uh, on your side, since you're outside, um, goddamn, I said that like ten times, you attempt to defend your targets, uh, essentially all of your troops as well as your, uh, machines. Uh, several werewolves, uh, are going to attempt to leap at you and attempt to pin you down and dismantle your mech limb by limb. Right now, we're not actually going to be using the, uh, Power by the Apocalypse system. I want you to roll a dex save for me. Uh, I might have a spell that can help me out here. Uh, oh, what do you got? Okay, so how so how far are the how far away are the werewolves, and are they all coming in front of me? Uh, they there are werewolves coming from the side and front of you none of them are coming towards the back because that's where the uh help uh the war machines are so so would um, you say yes, they're in your peripheral would you version. say that they have formed themselves up in a 15 foot cube in front of me <laughs> yes cool yeah cool can i oh, no. can i reflexively cast thunder wave to try and like have them back the fuck off yeah do that all right All right. Uh, oh, let's guess that first level. <clears throat> All right, I do it. Uh, the wolves have to make a DC seventeen con save, or else they are pushed back. Okay, let me get those. Yeah, they are. They are. They're pushed back 10 feet away. They also take... The they roll the 16. Okay. Good. Uh, they so they fail. They are pushed back 10 feet. You no longer have to make a deck save. And they now... They Hold on. They also take Sorry. 12 thunder damage. Okay. So all of the werewolves uh, that were in that blast, all of them, I rolled it as one, uh, take that take that thunder damage. Now, Wilhelm, uh, since you have rebuffed uh, the werewolf assault, some of them start to back off a little bit. Uh, and you have the ability now to give a command to your trebuchets, your siege towers, and your ground goblin forces. Uh, what would you like them to do to rebuff this uh, attack? Well, okay, so there's this not... is powered by the apocalypse system. Okay, so where where are we in position in relation to the wall? You are about the hundred and so feet away from it. You're not relatively close. You're about halfway there. Okay, so from this range, the trebuchet will be able to hit the, the, the Halepoli. I still have to get over there. Um, hmm. So, if that's the case, then we could have, I could have the trebuchet do an, an initial volley of, like, scattershot bombs at the wall. Okay. Uh, and in regards to the werewolves that are surrounding you, what would you like to do about them? I mean, there's not a whole lot that can be done outside of, like, attack the doggos. 
Um. Okay. Uh, so attack the doggos. Like, uh, okay, yeah. like, like to make it a bit more specific. Basically, hold hold the line, hold the line, make sure that that they don't get near the siege equipment. Okay. Roll me a two d six. Jesus Christ. Five. Uh, the, the werewolves get even closer uh, to the siege equipment at this point, uh, Wilhelm, and they begin to uh, start to gnaw on the wheels and slow it down. Uh, your catapults, I'll have you roll as well another 2d6 uh, to see if they can grape shot the wall. Trebuchets, but yes. Trebuchets, sorry. Alright, Trebuchets, trebuchets please don't fucking fail. Oh my god, they rolled an 11. Ooh. Alright, so as... That happens. Uh, your grape shots are able to success are able to successfully buffet the wall, and in doing so, uh, they're also some of the grape shots fall off halfway and are able to repel some of the werewolves since that was a perfect success. Uh, you see that dents begin to form in the main gate, uh, and you feel as if your halapoli will be able to uh, seal the deal once you get over there, and you're able to successfully undo. Uh, the complete failure of the werewolves and it becomes a myth I feel success. like uh, so, this would be the point from earlier where I go, that's where you come in at the table. <laughs> as you're able to know about the labyrinth. So now, at this point, Elagos, uh, we're back inside the labyrinth and it's your turn. The, the, and you can see the Minotaur's tail like right around the corner. That's a trap. No, he had no movement speed. I mean, you could think it's a trap. I've seen him move through the walls. Like if I go if I go chase after him, I'm just gonna be chasing after a ghost. Don't go chasing waterfalls. So I think at this point I'm going to get on my sending stone. I I mean I'll chase after him, but at this point I'm going to get on my sending stone, and uh, call to the t to the uh, tiefling commander. Uh, mass the archers. Tell him to get ready to fire on my position. Wait for my signal. All right, as you can hear through the uh, through the ascending uh, stone, as you can hear more uh, like howls uh, of the lycanthropes, and you get closer to the minotaur, and as you do, he enters your field. Uh, roll. I'm gonna make my wisdom save. Right. So that's three D eight. Yes. Eighteen. Ooh. Okay, uh, so he rolled a he rolled a fifteen. Does that, that beat it or match it? Matches. Uh, okay, so now that it matches, he takes half damage, nine. I believe. And you see, this minotaur is not looking too great. Uh, as you are right I, behind I him, need, uh, what would you like to do? I need to end this quickly, so I cast. I uh, yes, put my hand on <laughs> the labyrinth wall and cast dispel magic. Can we just kill him? Okay. Wouldn't that dispel it? It probably would, and you also have advantage. I also need this labyrinth uh, out of the fucking way. Okay, uh, so let me take a look. Dispel magic. Uh, he has to make a concentration save. Is that uh, right? So if if uh, if the spell is third level or lower, it just ends. Okay, um, it's not. If your spell is fourth level or higher, make an ability check using your spell casting ability. So it's I. I have to do the check. DC is 10 okay. plus the uh, spell's yeah. level. All right, so I need to make okay. a charisma check. Yeah, DC 17. All right, here we go. Why didn't it do... Oh, no. 
Should have just attacked him. That's a nat one. <laughs> uh, you touch the wall and the spell fizzles. Fuck. Nothing happens. Uh, and now the Minotaur is still there. Uh, and at this point, do you have any additional actions that you can perform? Let me see. Uh, that won't work. Oh, wait. You actually have advantage oh, on that. It's a check. Yeah, it's oh, a check. Cool. You have the rookie mistake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey. It's a 17. God <laughs> damn it. All right, fine. Uh, so, so as you touch the wall, it fizzles for a moment, and then the Minotaur kind of like gives you a little smirk. He's like, yeah, okay, And then buddy. at that point, then, I go, um, everybody down! And you see the wall completely shatters as the Minotaur looks around like, what? And you see the archers from your side uh, start to fire as they loose their bows at your position. Um, and in doing so, they are able to fell the Minotaur. Uh, with it because I'm ruling it as flavor and because you also rebuffed me with exactly a 17. <laughs> uh, so now, that. now you, uh, now you've gone ahead. The Minotaur has been defeated and your army is surrounded by lycanthropes. Uh, however, there the left side of the army has been likefully cleared of them because the arrows uh, ran them through. At this point, a potion of supreme healing and a potion of haste have dropped from the Minotaur, so you can collect those. But at this point now, you see that there are still some lycanthropes around Wilhelm siege engines and some remaining around your army. Uh, what would you like to do using Roll by the Apocalypse? All right, so the back line should still be in squares at this point. I'm going to tell them to... Uh, it, it, the, so squares are anti-cavalry uh, formations, but it, which I chose against the lycanthropes because I f felt like they would be charging. But at this point, it looks like they're going after the siege equipment instead. So I'm going to have the... Back lines break squares and uh, charge into the lycanthropes with spears okay. and pointy things. Two, two d six plus two. It's a thirteen. That is a critical success. So as your uh, troops with pointy things run towards the werewolves, the lycanthropes, uh, they notice that they're unable to both fend off the siege towers, uh, grape shots of trebuchets, as well as your own troops coming in from behind them, and they are defeated, as well as the troops that surround your uh, your group as well. And you've successfully gotten rid of both the Minotaur and lycanthrope forces, and the gate remains as a clear shot. Uh, at this point, I turn to uh, Wilhelm and tell him, get, get your siege equipment back inside the lines. Will do. <laughs> as and you see giant mech Wilhelm. Gotta just get everyone in line. And as you approach, uh, you uh, <coughs> are able to get right up against the gate uh, with no more deterrence. Uh, Wilhelm, uh, what would you like to do at this point? Um... Would I be able to have the trebuchet take another pot shot at the wall and then have okay. the siege equipment just fall back? Sure. Uh, that That's fine. So just roll a 2d6 plus 1. Wait for it. Roll 20, please. All right. Ooh. Oh. It's 11. There you go. Oh, geez. All right, so a complete success. So as you are able to do this, 
uh, you have your siege equipment back off, and you saw how effective the grape shots were of the trebuchet as you're able to completely <clears throat> pellet it again, and the gate caves almost as if it's about to crack open, as if the slightest breeze could break it. What would you like to do now? Fire. Okay. So have the has the equipment like been moved back to the line as per Elagos's orders? Yes. All right. Ass assuming that I'm in range, the, the trebuchets are just gonna fire again. Okay. Uh, roll me a 2d6. I'm going to give you advantage because it's very, very easy to break through this wall at this point. Uh, 2d6 plus anything or just 2d6? Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a plus one. Yeah, that's that's what the advantage would be in Powered by the Apocalypse, like a plus two. Mm -hmm. Okay, then plus one. Plus one then. All right, that's a seven. Oh. <laughs> All right, uh, so a mixed success. In this case, since you had a complete success before, you're able to successfully topple the gate. Uh, however, in doing so, you just knock over uh, some additional portions of stone that sort of block the way that would prevent your Halpoli uh, from getting through. It creates a, an area in which it would move a little bit slower. That's going to be the mixed portion of the success. And as the gate cracks open and gives way to this mighty display of force that you've shown them, Wilhelm and Elagos, you, know, you uh, now see clearly uh, the threat that has awaited you here. A massive stretch of emptiness between the gate and the tower in the distance. And in that space, an army, pale figures with an aura of uh, emptiness around them, and in the middle, what seems to be a bunker of sort, issuing commands. As this army shambles forward, you can see them for what they truly are. Summoned from the bowels of the hells, it is an army of the dead. And at this point, we're going to move over to the air fight section. So, as you take to the skies, Breathweaver, and your squadron cars through the sky, you see a massive black tower in front of you. You see a few dragons attempt to launch fire at it, but something is rebuffing them. A massive magical barrier burning with various magical circles. And to your left is Ander, and to your right is Aul. Ignitus flies out a bit in front of you, turning back to say, Breathweaver, I would say remember your training, but to be honest, I'm not sure if you were given any. Uh, and I'll allow you to respond to that. Uh, I, I had... I don't think I was either, but I'm ready for this nonetheless. Perfect. Before we engage the enemy dragons, we must first deposit our first, uh, our two passengers. Uh, where do you think is best to drop them? Uh, so roll a perception check for me, Coily. Okay. Um, that's persuasion. I'm not at advantage. Perception. Ten. You actually pass the DC. Uh, so you don't see any guard towers, uh, you don't see any guard towers devoid of guards, and the best you can do is you see one guard tower with a frail-looking skeleton standing on top of it, and that's what you, uh, see there. At this point, you're able to relay this information to Aul and Ander, uh, and I want both Aul and Ander at this point, uh, to say what they want to do. After Breathweaver has told you what, what guard tower has the least amount of force on it, uh, what would you like to do with this information? Alright. I'd say let's land on that guard tower. Yeah, let's do it. Get those parachutes strapped on and get ready to jump. All right. Uh, so you both jump off, and we'll be resolving that uh, jump off during your section. Uh, but now that the payloads have been delivered, you begin to reroute towards the enemy dragon's breathweaver, lurking high in the air as if waiting for uh, acknowledgement before you engage them. Uh, and suddenly... <coughs> apologies. Suddenly the enemy dragons begin to break rank. Some diving at Elagos, the ground forces, and some engaging at your own dragons, and some of them are headed towards Wilhelm's siege towers. What would you like to do? Uh, so, ha like, in terms of n numbers, do they outnumber us? 
Uh, you can see that the numbers are fairly even. There aren't too many dragons out in the world, and you feel that a majority of them are here. Uh, so you have quite a few on your end, and there, are, you have about three <clears throat> forces. Would be the correct answer. Uh, so there's a handful diving at the infantry, and there's a handful diving at the um, siege towers, right? And some attacking the dragons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and some attacking your own dragons as well. I say, uh, they have, even though our numbers are even, they have the audacity to let their gods drop against us. The front line keep defending against the attack of the dragons fighting us while the rest of us aim for, um, fuck. The, the aim to bring the, bring those who dare underestimate us. Fuck, um. Bring the bring their attention, bring the divers' attention back to us. So basically, um, well, we hold the front line, the back line will attack the people not focusing on us because they're basically wide open. Okay, so since you made that that decision, uh, you're going to be leading these dragons, and I want you to roll three die six rolls to see how each group handles the combat. Since your group is moving as one, with the um. Um, actually, yeah, because there's three different sections here. You're going to roll 2d6, two of them will be plus two, one of them will be plus zero, because they're going to be the ones holding the front line, and the other two that are going down with you are the ones that you're leading are going to be We're not diving down, we're just staying up and shooting from above, because we have the advantage of literally... They, you receive plus two to the ones attacking the diving dragons, uh, yep. and to the group that's fending them off, they receive a plus zero. Okay, so 2d6 plus two, the first one's an eight... A 2d6 right. by 2, the second one's a 10, and 2d6 is a 6. Oh. Okay, so the dragons that are attempting to rebuff, the the dragons that are fighting you uh, are suffering some losses. You see that uh, one, two dragons actually from that squadron fall, uh, but they're able to, uh, you're able to have one more dragon essentially covering your back, but you've lost a hard force there. In regards to the mixed success and the full success that you receive, you're, you're able to successfully rebuff the dragons that are diving towards your friends. With the full success, you're able to completely wipe out the squadron of dragons that are heading towards Elagos' ground forces. The ones that were headed towards the siege towers are able to get off one successful buffet before you are also able to dispel them as well. And as this portion of the encounter comes to an end, it may seem as if the situation is a little shaky as your first run on an aerial raid with these dragons, you nevertheless feel confident. You see Ignitus boldly pursue a green dragon down the horizon, and you see a storm dragon summon massive clouds overhead uh, to replace his two colleagues that had fell down. And then suddenly, the scene changes. And you open your eyes and pick up the now familiar scent of ash. In the week since the village's destruction, in the wake of it, everything has changed. Your life before the attack feels like a hollow memory. Most of the village is destroyed. Multitudes more dead than living. And then there's the rats. Hordes of rats that descend at night, swallowing the dead and sometimes the living. Like a plague from the devil himself. You've kept watches at night, burned squads who fend off the rats without chemical fire. It has helped, but not much. With so much of the village burnt down and houses are overcrowded with refugees, you've lost your house as well living several streets over in a small hut owned by the local alchemist. It is a one-story house filled with nearly 20 people. To say it's crowded would be an understatement. Disease has begun to spread, and there's no place to go. You simply hope it afflicts you or your, uh, you simply hope if it afflicts you or your wife, you will recover soon. 
And in the midst of a sleep sleepless night, a knock on the door is heard. What do you do? Uh, since I'm already awake, I'll make sure not to disturb my wife while I get out of bed and answer the door. Okay. Assuming that I'm dressed. Yeah, you, like, you're maybe, dressed. Like, maybe, is there a... a window next to my door that I can look out to see who it is? No. Okay, then I'll just, uh, peek, I'll, I'll answer the door. Alright. Before you are six men pinned with gold badges. Uh, these are the six men who helped save the mayor during the day of the fire, and they've been named the Council Under the Elder. Uh, the only six giving this grieving, uh, the only six that this grieving man can trust. And they say, "Come with us." The elder wishes to have a word. <clears throat> I forgot my um, I forgot my uh, alternate this voice. Oh, uh, so yeah, let me just uh, put my shoes on and change out of my pajama bottoms. All right then. Um, I do that, and then I'm like, I'm ready. Uh, can I gleam their intention really quick? Like, uh, the tone of voice, is this a... Should I be concerned? Uh, should I it, roll on that? It doesn't seem to be a polite house call, uh, but it seems as if their job is to deliver you to the Elder uh, for something, which you do not know. All right. All right. So would you like to go with them? Yeah. Right. I, I'm debating whether I should bring something, like, to defend myself in my pocket, but... I think maybe just unarmed combat's the best option if I have to. So, so you walk through the ruins of this place uh, to the Elder's Plot, whereupon most of the town's surviving men are building an ornate funeral uh, f- a funeral plot for his family. Uh, you can't help but think the town's resources would be better served going to the living rather than the dead. Uh, and the Elder looks at you as you approach, and his eyes, uh, his sunken eyes, rise from deep, watery depths, like two black stones plucked from the bottom of a lake. He has a barely contained malice. He's been crying recently, weeping most likely. He looks at you, waiting for you to say something. To beg forgiveness or to swear an oath to redeem yourself. He stares, cold and hard like steel. Uh, What do you do? Elder, I am sorry for the decision that I made. I should have had those five men go to the orphanage while I helped you. As I apparently was better at perusing the fire to save people... That they were, I don't, I, how did five people fail to save one person? I still don't get that. The elder stares at you again. I, I give a, sorry, I give a sideways glance to the five people with golden the elders, badges. The elder stares at you, never blinking. He will pack your things and leave tonight. You have proven your treachery on that day that defined us. The poison of your soul cannot contaminate us further. Leave now with whatever you can carry, without protest nor clamor. And, as I am a generous man, I will let your wife stay. She has done no wrong to this place, so I see not fit to burden her with the weight of your sins. You would tell her you went out on a scouting mission, and the cold took you. She will be provided for, and your kin. Do you agree to these terms? Well, I I figured I would just ask her if she wanted to come along or not. I mean, there's no reason to t- lie to her like that. I mean, I had a feeling this day might come. <laughs> Considering you were still upset, but... Do you honestly were, were you believe... you something? Do you honestly believe that you both would survive out there? Why would you put her in this situation? As I mentioned, I am a great, generous man. I have offered her to let her stay. Well, you see, uh, if, if you think... I, I just, I can't agree with your leadership if everything has happened in your own opinions. 
so I will leave peacefully, but I still want to let my wife know the truth. That is fine. <clears throat> uh, so he allows to let the wife know the truth, uh, but she will stay here. Uh, well, isn't it like her option choice, or did she choose that? I don't know why I'm asking you this way. Was that um her uh, like so it was explained to her and she's like I'll stay here. The winter is basically the Arctic where you live. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, you should have said that before I had that conversation. I just okay. thought we were in like some cold like Florida, area. Like the Key West. Sort of... <laughs> Sorry. Damn. I, I, I'll let her know the truth and say that if I survive, I will come back after the winter to get you. If you. So just wait for me. All right. So you've you've gone away from the elder. He's accepted that you can tell your wife whatever you want, whatever she wants, and she nods to you, uh, and will anxiously await your return. And as uh, Bre as Breathweaver, as you pick up your your things to leave, as you leave, the uh, two orphans that you saved approach you out of the shadows of uh, out of the shadows a bit down the road, and they give you something, uh, a necklace with a spectacular blue pendant. Mother told us it would give us good luck said something was special about uh, it. Uh, excuse me, did you just say two orphans who then just used the word mother? Yes. Okay. You, th th people can be orphaned, but, like, they still have mothers I, at, I, at some point that they may have known. Don't start. You saved us, mister. Please take this for what you did. And the second child Whoa. chimes in. After all, the men in this town have begun eyeing it. If we don't give it to you, the strongest adult we know, I think they'll take it from us. Damn grown-ups. I thank you for your, uh, for this, and I'll take it and say, if, if, if I could ask one last thing of you, could you please, I, I know the orphanage is still burned down, they aren't really trying to fix it because it's going into this old person's house, it, I, I'm sure my wife would love the company now that I'm gone, could you please make sure she stays in good health for me? Uh, and you see the, uh, both of the orphans kind of, like, just, like, nod at you, and they kind of get, like, a smile on their faces. They've been given a quest by the, uh, strongest grown-up yeah. that now. and also, technically speaking, I will say this out of character, the idea is also, now that I'm gone, um, the food, I think, would, that I would have would now go to them pretty much. Okay. Because it's two orphans, so they would probably eat, like, half of what a grown adult would eat, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Alright. So, <laughs> Uh, as you leave town and wander out into the lifeless badlands, uh, nigh tundra adjacent, uh, you look for where to head to find the best shelter. Roll me 2d6. Uh, slash... 3. Uh, Alright, so... It, in that instance, you would I have that. a plus one because I know the area? <laughs> like, I've been here for I don't know how long and I've lived it. Would I know the area enough to get a plus one? I'll, I'll give you a plus one so that you get a Oh, plus look at that! Squirrely. I got a ten! <laughs> yeah. Looking at the emerging stars, you follow the constellations taught to you by your own father. Should you ever be stranded in the Badlands? In short time, your trek yields a cave suitable to shelter for the night. As morning comes, and the gentle reminders of winter touch uh, your face, uh, you head out again to find a shelter more permanent, safer from the cold. Perhaps if you find another <clears throat> settlement, you can send word to your family to come with you. 
you see a tall mountain top in the distance and faintly, hopefully, something else. Specks of what looked to be something man-made. A wall? Heading over there, I want you to roll 2d6. Okay. Flash or... Oh, up arrow. Let me just do an up arrow. Alright. I got a... Oh, fuck. Six. Alright. You climb partially up this mountain, but the cold and the hunger is too much. As you lie down in the middle of this path, rolled up into a ball, you feel the cold take a stronger grip on you. You force yourself onward, but collapse in front of the gate. And from that gate, uh, a voice bellows outward. Intruder! Explain your presence before me! Well... And you see that this uh, voice has stirred you from uh, fr from your uh, cold sleep. Well, I don't mind. I don't mean to intrude, but it's a very terrible day out, and uh, my selfish, the selfish leader of the village I come from has kicked me out for saving children. Yeah, I know it sounds weird and not great, but. Would you mind providing me shelter for the night? I promise not to intrude for much longer after that, as I must. I will go back on my way. And as the gate <clears throat> opens, uh, you see a massive dragon. Unspeakably big and ancient, its scales are a pale gold. Its mere presence is enough to warm you. Are thou afraid of creatures of the winged night? I mean, not as much as I am afraid of the... Uh, night itself right now, it's really cold, and uh, I think I pretty much frozen to the ground. And you see uh, this massive dragon kind of like snort at you, and it says, You may stay the night. Some company may be a nice change of pace. And then, Breath Weaver, you come back to. And then we're going to be going over to the next section, Infiltration. So, uh, <coughs> after the successful drop from Breath Weaver... Uh, we're going to be going into now Aul and Ander's section. You both begin plummeting down towards the for fortress. Wind whips around you as you quickly approach the ground. Uh, Aul, you deploy your parachute and it goes off without a hitch. You don't even see a cloth deploy. Instead, you become under the effects of the spell Featherfall Ooh. as you gracefully descend. On the other hand, uh, Ander, uh, you pull at your parachute deploy line, uh, which promptly snaps off. A tablecloth pops off on the other side, attached by only one string, and you begin to fall seemingly faster. Alright, cool. I'm gonna cast Featherfall uh, myself. <laughs> okay, I had a feeling you would. Uh, so as you cast Featherfall, you you descend with the same grace as Eul, and as you drop down, uh, you see the courtyard is a fortress packed with a rising, writhing mass of the undead, seemingly waiting to fight as you see them marching solemnly, prepare, preparing for the breach. In the middle of this courtyard looks to be a command station with a strong pulse of necromatic energy emanating from it. To the sides of this massive tower, a, a, a large compound surrounds it. Two massive doors are on both sides of the compound and seemingly provide access from the front. The building seems devoid of any windows. Uh, I'd like both of you as you're falling onto the, uh, uh, as you're falling, uh, to roll perception. A 20. Jesus. Okay, uh, so Owl, as you're falling, you can see at the top of the main compound, there seems to be a grate uh, with an incredibly light smoke rising out from it. And as you begin to descend uh, towards the guard tower, the frail-looking skeleton does not seem to notice you. And as you land on it, it doesn't even acknowledge your presence. 
Um, and a 17 you from me. now touch down on... Uh, 17 sorry. from me, if that changes You anything. see the exact okay. same thing. You see the exact same grade that it will has, been, uh, has That's seen great. as well. And as you guys land on the uh, guard tower, uh, the skeleton still does not acknowledge your presence. And at this point, uh, I actually want you to, uh, whoever, whoever would want to, roll an arcana check uh, to see why this skeleton seems to be so unresponsive. I'll do that. Oh. What if I want to? I got a nat you 20, a 21. Jesus. And and a fifth, 15. With a... You both are able to see this, but Aul is able to see it first. You guys see, see the first, exact same thing. To you first. Except Aul sees it better. Uh-huh. In HD. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can see that the energy that is animating the skeleton is weak and flickering. The energy seems to be reaching out uh, towards the, uh, the building that is in the center of this uh, of the fortress, and you can see the trail of magic seems to be linking him up to the command post center, and you believe that he may have wandered uh, too far out of his bounds. Uh, so at this point, now that you're on top of this uh, this watchtower, uh, what would you like to do? Um, I guess I'll relay that to the the ground forces. Uh, through the Sending Stone to, like, Elagos and Wilhelm that the army of the dead or whatever seem to... Their energy seems to be coming from that command base, so that might be a way to, I guess, disable them or confuse them. Okay. Uh, So when we get back to their scene, they'll get that information. What I want to do is also use the Sending Stone to try and relay to see how far away we are from the command post from the, the command center because I'm assuming we're like right inside the walls uh you're on top of the outer wall okay. uh inside of a guard post so yeah yeah you're you're actually inside of the wall inside of like a guard a guard post tower uh I'm, that's structured yeah on the inside. what I'd want to do is be so, able to see if I can measure the distance from where I am to the command post and try to relay that information to and to Elagos and Vilhel. Okay, for exact coordinates. Yeah. Okay, uh, roll me uh, an intelligence check. Uh, can I use... Could I use... Uh, no, I can't really use Arcana. Uh, I'll just roll, <clears throat> roll intelligence. Oh, that's... Uh, one moment. Morgan. Is that the same modifier, though? It probably yeah, is. Yeah, it is. It's a plus three either way. Uh, 13. Okay, so you're able to to relay some very like you're able to do some basic math and sort of understand really where the command post is you relay that to elagos uh who may not get much use of it but it also goes over the comms where larry uh is picking it up and he's like aye aye uh you feel like he may have some sort of plan for that okay uh so you're able to do that so now at this point now that you're on top of this guard post you see the command center the army of the dead the large building that surrounds uh, the tower that has a magical bar- barrier on it, uh, what would you like to do? You said there's a grate? Uh, there is a grate on top of the structure that surrounds the tower, the compound that surrounds the tower. There seems to be smoke coming out of it. Compound that surrounds the tower? Yes. Where is that? You're not talking about the command base, are you? No, I'm not talking about the command base. The... The command base is in the center of the fortress, and towards the back is the tower. Mm-hmm. Surrounding the tower is this uh, compound that seems to be around the tower's like base. A chemical compound? No, like a... it's like like a keep. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like a smaller keep surrounding the tower that is not covered in a magical barrier, and you see that there is a grate that is smoking on top of it. All right. So, Andrew, what do you think we should do? What are the magic circles we got to disable? Uh, there's magic circles, but I want to investigate that grate smoking and see if we can... I want to see why that thing is smoking. That could be some kind of fire or some kind of way to keep keep this entire thing operating. How, how far away is it? Like, I'm assuming there's... The army is between us and that compound, yeah. right? Yes, it is. Hmm. Well, I mean... Maybe there's something under, like maybe the this tower goes underground or something. It will lead up to that compound. Good idea. Yeah. Let's let's see if we can find a way down there. Okay. Uh, so, if you guys would like to, please roll an investigation check uh, just in this area to see if you can uh, see anything that would lead downwards. Uh, okay. uh, a nine. A uh, fourteen from me. Okay. So with the fourteen, you're able to see that there is a latch. Uh, that inside of this uh, guard post tower that is again it's kind of fairly close to the wall and you can see that it leads downwards into darkness where there's a ladder uh, if you'd like to proceed you most certainly can yeah uh, I think I'm going to proceed with stealth yeah same okay roll, roll me some stealth uh, 20 a 31 <laughs> Jesus. As you both actually disappear into the darkness, uh, you go further down to this guard post. So now, as you reach the bottom of the guard post, you see that there are two directions that you can head. One is a door that just leads to the bottom of the guard post and leads out into the courtyard, uh, where the army of the dead is. Uh, the other is a sort of hallway that leads into the surrounding outer perimeter wall. From what you have scanned before, you can you could see that if you move through the innards of the wall, uh, you could end up getting closer to the back of the compound and then exit through an, a guard tower exit that you see there. Uh, those are your two options. Yeah, I'm just going to point to that hallway and signal to Ewell that we should probably move down there. Yeah, I'm, fo I'm following him. Okay, so as you enter into the hallway, you see that on the inside of this uh, on the inside of this wall, it seems to be fairly ornate. Red, uh, red runners go through the, uh, the inside of the wall. It seems to be heavily fortified, and there are torches that are providing dim light in this area. As you seemingly poke your heads out stealthily, all stealthily-like, you see inside of these walls are much larger bone behemoths. They seem to be made out of very large, possibly troll bones or orc bones, that are seem to be patrolling this hallway. Uh... As you look left and right to see uh, exactly how you would find egress uh, between them or sneak past them, I'd like you to just roll me a perception check. Uh, 20 from me. 15 Jesus. for me. Alright, so with the 20, Andrew, you're able to see that the torchlights seem to be quite scattered along the hallway. Uh, it does cast shadow uh, beyond some reaches <clears throat> that the hallway provides, and you could slip between the shadows there. But something more interesting to you pops out is that running along the the hallway, it seems to be made out of, like, jutted stone, like uh, almost like a cobblestone on the wall. But it, it's jutted stone. You can see that if you wanted to, you could potentially crawl above the candlelight, uh, above the torchlight, out of the uh, vision range of some of these behemoths and simply just bypass them that way. 
Uh, I'm gonna point to the stone that's above us and come motion, like, hey, we're going up there. Okay. Uh, I will... Would you like to motion anything back, or you gonna follow suit? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I wink at him. <laughs> <laughs> you wink at him. No, no dog barking. I wink time. back. Uh, so... So as you begin to do your climb, we're going to be still using your stealth roll for this. Uh, I would like you to, if you could for me, uh, Ander and Aul, uh, go ahead and make me a acrobatics or athletics check. Or if you have some sort of spell that's like wall climb, I mean, just ping that and we're There's, sh- there's but, shadows at the top of the wall, right? Yes, there are shadows at the towards the top. Do I want to use another spell? I could just shadow step. You're going to shadow step? Okay. Uh, so you shadow step uh, right towards the top of that wall. And you're still kind of, like, shimmying across the side. Since you are able to get up there so deftly, I will give you advantage on your acrobatics or athletics check. Uh, I'm debating whether I use another spell or not. Uh, I'm actually just going to use uh, acrobatics to get up there. Okay, let's give it a shot. I don't want to... I got 15. a 13. <laughs> you got a what? I'm sorry? I got a 13. Morgan got a 15. Okay, so you actually both pass few, uh, and you're able to shimmy along the uh, upper portions of the wall, which is covered in more shadow than the ground. The the torchlight can't seem to extend up that high, and you seem to uh, continue shimmying. Uh, as you go uh, further down this hallway, you see that some of the bone behemoths seem to patrol backwards. Uh, you're seemingly getting further away from them until there only looks to be one of them left uh, at the bottom of the hallway that is near one of the entrances, uh, to another guard tower. From where you are right now, um, you don't necessarily know what lies outside of the wall, so you're not entirely sure where your position is. Would you like to continue going and shimmying across the wall to perhaps find another unguarded door, or would you like to uh, try and do something with this door? I think I want to probably shimmy along. Yeah, find them a better door. Yeah. Okay. So that's perfectly fine. Uh, to rebuff that, I'm just going to have you guys re-roll some stealth rolls at this point. Uh, you get advantage since you're in the, uh, the the dim light at the top of the... Uh, at the top of the... Alrighty. 19 from me. A 28 okay. from me. Alright, perfect. You guys are able to cloak to the shadows and remain hidden. As you continue to shimmy down the wall, you look towards the next door. Uh, it looks like there is a patrolling uh, bone behemoth. These about 20 feet away, uh, but nothing directly in front of the door. Uh, would you like to enter through this one, or would you like to uh, continue going? Mm-hmm. There's Maybe a bone behemoth. Uh, I think. There's nothing directly in front of the door. Yeah, there's nothing directly in front of this door. It's safer than the last one. I'd say let's try sneaking through and seeing if we can get to this guard tower. Okay. Okay. So as you two prepare to uh, make your drop down in front of this door, I would like you both to roll stealth again. This time not at advantage since you will be entering light for a brief moment. Okay. To go through the door. I got a 23. Uh, Oh, wait. No. Wrong ability. A 10. (laughs) Alright, so, Aul, you're able to successfully drop down right in front of the door, and Ander, as you, uh, as you are attempting to scale down the wall, uh, you make a noise as one of the rocks happens to fall in the hallway. Uh, one of the patrolling bone behemoths seems to draw closer, 
At this point, Owl or Ander, what would you like to do as a reaction? Frightening gate. Oh, as a reaction. Um, as a reaction? No, you can you can use an N action as a reaction. It's undead. Yeah, it's a bone behemoth. Do you really think a charm status is going to work on it? Settle hmm. down. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be charmed. I, I'm going to cast Silent Image to, in front of us, make it look like there's like pretty much the wall behind us. I'm going to cast so it's like looks right in front of us. So it sees when it looks down the hallway, like the door, the stone around the door. So it thinks it's just seeing okay. the end of the hallway, even though we're like right behind it. Okay. Uh, let me go ahead and roll the bone behemoths, like actual stats. So let's see. Let's see what it says. All right. So from this here, it rolled a, it rolled a ten. <laughs> so. Uh, the bone behemoth sees a wall. Everything seems to look in order. It sees the brick that had fell off of the the stone on the wall where Andrew had dropped it, as you both are kind of just seeing it through the silent image of the wall. Uh, and it picks it up and then continues to patrol on as it was before, uh, seemingly not noticing you due to the quick thinking of Aul. All right, let's go through this door now. Yep. As I, as I fist bump right. Aul. All right, I'll fist bump him back. Alright, uh, you're able to successfully do this, you, you fist bump successfully, it makes no noise, uh, and you're able to get into this, uh, the bottom of this guard tower. As you open the door, you see that since you passed over the previous guard tower, you've come out to uh, the next one, which is about a 30-foot dash uh, to, the, uh, to the front door of the main compound. You see also from the location that you are in, another uh, guard tower that is seemingly behind this compound where you could potentially climb up to the top jump off and then get onto the roof or you could make a mad dash now or whatever you choose at this point but this is so your it was 30 location. feet away mm-hmm. yeah it's 30 it's 30 feet away you're you're fairly close you're like towards the back but not directly in back of it Let's just sneak 30 feet we can make that no time yeah all right so, since you guys are stepping out uh, into this area, I just want you to roll a stealth check, uh, just so that we can see if you can make it to the wall. Now, the army of the dead is still uh, in this area, so it's going to be a little bit higher of a DC, uh, but let's see if you guys can I, sneak off. Am I in dim light or darkness? Uh, currently, you're outside, but the sky is dark. I would say in this instance, you would be you would be considered in Okay, right, I'm going to do <laughs> an Eldritch Invocation one with shadows to make myself invisible until I take an action or reaction. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shadow snap. Okay, uh, so you go invisible and you teleport and both of you are now in front of the uh, doors to the main compound. I will slowly open it. Okay, it makes a large noise. No, <laughs> no, you're, you're able to uh, you're, you're able to get uh, the door open, uh, and since you can't see Ander, but you can uh, assume that he's behind you, you leave a crack open in the door, and then Ander I assume mm-hmm. follows suit. Okay. So as you enter into the fortress proper, you step into a spacious room that you have seen before. A vast space filled with pods. An eerie green light emits from the viscous fluid that flows through the tubes and runs along the ceiling, and into a series of pods that line the wall. At the head of this hallway lies a massive chamber. A decrepit body floats surrounded by the same barrier that surrounds the larger tower outside. I want you both to roll an investigation check. I got a four. 
27, nat 20. Jesus. <laughs> All right, nat 20. So a- as Awul isn't really able to see what's inside of this giant pod, uh, Ander, you're able to see it quite effortlessly. This curled-up body that resides inside the pod is the spitting image of Old Man Prey uh, that you saw in the vision leaving Plaza. And he sits in suspended, anima- suspended animation motionlessly, uh, motionlessly hovering above the ground. Uh, and you see that around this pod... Uh, there is the uh, ma- the same magical barrier that surrounds the tower. At this point, what would you guys like to do? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let uh, I know like hey hey praise right there. Uh, do you think praise like I mean technically this is praise dimension right? Do you think praise power in it somehow? He's in a pod. I think I yes. I think he might have some power in here. Well, wait. If he's in a pod, we were in pods, but we, do you think the pod's, like, projecting him into plaza? I don't know. Plaza should... We should be in plaza right now, actually, so I don't know. He's, I thought the pods were outside of this dimension. He's podcasting. Uh, <laughs> I fucking knew someone was going to say it. I knew it. All right, so you, as you sort of think about this, uh, uh, will. I'm actually going to let you roll, like, a like an arcana check just to see like if you can understand because it doesn't make sense like you're supposed to be inside a plaza but you're not inside a plaza you're inside of a room you thought this room is in the outside dimension what's going on here maybe try and figure uh roll an arcana check just to see if you can see what's going on got a 10 uh from the 10 you're not going to really glean too much information uh from this but you are inside of a separate dimension that once was praised why you can see this here you're not entirely sure uh can i probably do can I also roll the Arcana check? Yeah, okay. of course. 21. Okay, so with that Arcana check, you're able to tell that this dimension is the original plaza, where you are in. It feels exactly the same. Uh, you can feel the exact same kind of magic. But this pod that you see here uh, that is housing prey inside of it seems to have been a recent addition or a something that was inverted. In order to change plaza to its current state, it seems as if Plaza may have been moved deeper within this dimension. And by rolling with that Arcana check, uh, Ander, you're actually able to see some runes that are written across Prey's pod. And they sort of seem to be lining up and are in accordance with the jukebox runes, jukebox runes that you had seen before. And you feel that with some success, you may be able to create a way in to uh, where, Prey, where Prey seems to be. Into original. Oh, this might sound crazy, but we're going back to Plaza. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Nope. (laughs) Alright. I'm gonna try and approach. uh, Are there. Do I see any, like, kind of enemy or any hostile creature around here? Uh. What's up, Carly? I'm just thinking. We're at, like, two hours and ten minutes. What Morgan just said sounds like a was, good ending point to an episode. Do we want to call? Well, was that it the end of the scene for this dinner? Uh, almost the end for the scene. Well, I'll just finish the scene then. Okay. 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 Two part finale. Uh, so as you as <laughs> yeah. you uh, as you continue on, uh, as you continue on here, Ander, I actually want you. You're going to look at the runes that are surrounding Prey's, uh, that are surrounding his pot. I want you to roll an Arcana check for me. All right. It's going to be at advantage since you previously got a 21 on the last Arcana check. Just to give you a little uh, a little bit more here. 
17. Okay. So as you uh, move your bony finger, the one where you can see uh, the Infinity Sigil, you, you feel a twinge in your knuckle bones. As you see the uh, Infinity Mark glow as it passes over prey, and suddenly uh, more of the runes appear in front of your eyes, and in, with the eyes of the Rune Keeper, you're able to seem to reorder them uh, as you're as you're looking at them closer and they display coordinates uh which you can correlate back to the jukebox rune uh that was drawn earlier inside of larry's bar um you could possibly open up a gate uh to this deeper dimension uh i'm gonna use the sending uh, can i use the sending stone to talk to larry yeah you can larry this is gonna sound really weird how does the jukebox work in your bar <clears throat> oh, that's simple. Uh, you see, the, some dwarves came in here a while ago with a couple of gnomes, and they installed it. Essentially, it just takes whatever sort of rune or energy or magic that you fit a piece into it, which we usually had some bards program in at a later point, uh, and then it's able to reproduce it on a greater scale, uh, aka making the music louder, and how we used it. And you see, like, you can hear, like, Larry, like, turning some wheels and, like, you hear, like, jet sounds as he's outside. Uh, we were able to, um, we were able to emanate the magic, uh, from the pod and then cast it out at a greater what? force, creating the portal that got us Okay, in. good to know. Uh, what magic was that pod? Uh, it was one of the pods that I just had, uh, in, in the back of my, uh, in the back of my, uh, bar. Okay, because this can sound really crazy, but... Owl and I are in the compound. We found Hi, Larry. Spot. Hmm? Hi, Larry. <laughs> you say, hey, Owl. How you doing? We found right. Prey's pod. It has the same runes as your jukebox. Oh. Well, okay, let me, uh, hold up here. Well, you want to try remaking them in our room? You got any, like, chalk or pen, paper or something? I can, like, show you. I can, like, kind of tell you uh, how them runes look. I, no, like, I want to activate these runes because I think it might get us back into Plaza. Well, all right, then. Uh, how do you want to do that? That's what I was hoping you'd know. Well, I mean, I can give you the jukebox runes, and then you could use the ones you see there. Maybe. Uh, sure, let's just do that. I have some I have some paper on me right now. Alright, and then Larry is able to describe to you exactly what the jukebox rune looks like uh, and how they had modified it. And he tells you exactly which sections he modified, which you leave as blank on that sheet mm -hmm. of paper. And, he, and then he is able to successfully release information. He's like, well, I, uh, I hope that helped. Bye, Owl. Bye. Uh, and you see, like, he kind of just, like, uh, says, he kind of just, like, uh, the line goes okay. silent. Uh, I'm gonna, with this paper that has the jukebox rune on it, I'm just gonna put it and place it onto the praise pod. Okay. Uh, are you gonna overlay any sort of runes that you see on his pod to jukebox Uh, yep. Okay. So you overlay the runes, uh, and you successfully are able to engrave them, and now what would you like to do? Uh, I, I honestly don't know. I didn't think we'd get this far. <laughs> you, you seem to distinctly remember uh, the activation method for the jukebox rune. 
I'll, I'll use that activation method then. You, you smack it like Retzel. Uh, and as you smack the jukebox rune, you hear that same exact music uh, fill out the room before hey. you. And you see a portal open in front of you. Much like before, the smell of bread, even more intense, wafts from the uh, this blue portal's uh, eminence, and you feel a familiar heat. You can tell. It's hot today. Very hot today. And as you step beyond the boundary, everything comes into frame. You inspect the buildings, assembled mostly from bricks and thatched roofs. The town has a rustic element to it. Bits of cobblestones line the streets, sweeped clean of the dust from yesterday's humdrum and scuffles. Smoke rises from the east side, loaded with the scent of baked goods. Adjacent is an empty lot, where the chillin' dragon would have loaded in. The town is refreshing, in its own way. As you gaze upwards, you see the clouds hung over in the sky, moving slowly, almost as if the day is halted, frozen in its tracks. The sun thaws through, sinking islands of clouds. Now, it's just red against blue. The distant speck of flame smites the town. It's hot today. Very hot today. And as you loop back around to the west side of town, there are vacant homes with no signs of life. Crates surround and bend around these buildings, disappearing into shadowed alleyways. Although it's no utopia, you can tell this town has much to offer you, despite its humble size. And would you like to stop at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good point. I'm okay. stopping. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna stop my 